Good day. Today's topics is horror movies from the Great White North, eh? Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. 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 Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike. And today we are going to be talking about horror films from Canada, or about Canada, or in Canada. Or about Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so, grab your Timbits and some back bacon, and enjoy. But first, as always, I'm going to introduce you to the podcast crew. He's a musician, and his influences are Rush... Rush and more Rush, because what else is there? Jason Bollinger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hi guys. Next up, he walked into a Tim Hortons and was able to pay with actual monop- Monopoly money and no one seemed to notice. <laughs> Sam Hayes. <laughs> I don't get that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Their money looks like Monopoly money. Oh... The insults continue. (laughs) Next up, he used to think Mountie was the term for whoever was on bottom. John Stulter, everybody. (laughs) Hey, everybody. (laughs) Too busy laughing. (laughs) She once was a Canadian pop star called Terry Sparkles. Terry Turford, everybody. Yes! That's oh, awesome. How I Met Your Mother reference. I also had a counter- counterpart called Terry Daggers in my dark face. Oh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and lastly, he doesn't like hockey, and what's that a boot? Dustin, <laughs> Dustin Neal. <laughs> what? He actually is the biggest I'll, hockey fan here. I know, that's why I saved him. <laughs> what's up, everybody? Oh, Canada. So, um, before we get into this, uh, maybe we should get into a little bit of killer news, eh? Hey. Hey. Now it's time for Killer News. Ripped straight from the headlines on Attack of the Killer Podcast. It's August 24th, 718. Monday, and it was just a mere few hours ago, almost the entire Attack of the Killer podcast crew was at Crypticon, Kansas City. Crypticon! I just figured we'd talk a little bit about what we did this weekend, because almost, sorry John and Sam, uh, almost everybody was was there, and, and it was an excellent time, and it was, I had just as much fun this year that I did last year, and I got to meet uh, so many people and see so many people, and and we got a shout out to our um, <clears throat> other podcast podcast crew that we that we met there. Um, Necronomicast. Yeah, I kept wanting to say I kept wanting to say <laughs> later the creeps, like they weren't there. No, 
should have been, but they yeah. Were. So we got to meet those guys, and they were super nice. And but I mean, there was all kinds. Of, the lineup this year was excellent. Uh, so many great people. Everybody was so super nice and so super talkative. If I had to compare it to last year, uh, everybody, it was just like story time when we were talking to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I mean, obviously, <clears throat> Jason and Flyboy, you got, well, I guess Flyboy's not on here. <laughs> but uh, Doug oh, Bradley got to, okay. <laughs> Doug Bradley just pretty much talked your guys' ear off about all kinds of cool stuff, the, about ghost hunting and stuff. And and I think just, just to get to spend more than, you know, a couple of minutes with them is is like eternity. I mean, you'll never forget that. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's cool that they're talking to you so much that the line is held up behind you. I mean, it's not cool for the other people. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know how it happened. We, when we got to Doug's, like... We were maybe like second in line, and yeah, Flyboy just knew that he did some ghost stuff and asked him about that, and he just went off and off and off and off, and and you could totally like start feeling some heat from behind you, you know. <laughs> you, you, I'd glance back once in a while, just and that line was just building up, but man, he just kept going and going, and at least at least three or four different stories, like whole like stories about stuff, and. And never once did Doug look at the line. You know, he just he was just engaged with us and was. I it's mind blowing. I, I you know, it's Pinhead. He's yeah. one. He's one of the biggies. You know, like I didn't expect uh, such a talkative, nice dude. That was really awesome. Yeah, that was uh, that. Like I said, just to get to spend any, you know, I. When you go there, you feel like, okay, here's my money, sign my card, take my picture, I'm gone. But when they actually uh-huh. start a conversation with you, when we went up to Derek Mears and just started talking about Channel 101 and letting them know that was the first thing we ever saw him on, I mean, he just, like, unloaded. He just, again, the line was held up. He just kept talking and talking. It was just awesome. I loved every minute of it. And it was like, it was a, it was a real conversation, mm-hmm. and it wasn't one-sided. So, and that's what I tr- that's what I try to do when I try to meet somebody there, uh, you know, one of the, the celebrity guests is try to to make it not so much a one sided conversation and and just have it be a full on conversation with a celebrity you really like, and that's what that was, and that's what it sounded like, uh, what it was with you guys and Doug Bradley, oh, and yeah. just I mean just just such a cool time. Like I said, I I had a, another amazing time there, <laughs> but sometimes it doesn't go. Uh, as smoothly and awesomely, yeah. As, what happened as there? ours did, but uh, Mike, Mike, I don't, made... want, I don't want to talk. About that. <laughs> well, tell, I, the, tell the people at home, Mike. Mike, well, Mike's favorite, probably one of his biggest guests there, uh, for sure, <clears throat> was uh, I totally blanked on his name. Tom Matthews. Tom Matthews, and like uh, we got there. It was first thing in the morning. Everybody was kind of tired, but like, and, and Mike doesn't like people to know this, but he can get, you know, a little nervous sometimes when meeting celebrities. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was oddly weird that like I got, I did get really nervous meeting Tom Matthews. Out of all, all the celebrities I've met, he's probably towards the top of like me losing my cool 
It was. And 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 it wasn't it actually wasn't all Mike's fault. Like <laughs> he he didn't uh he didn't necessarily keep the conversation going, which made it it made it awesome for me to like watch this go down. Cause I'm like, this is so uncomfortable. This is so great. Nobody's talking, and so, <laughs> and so like, Mike, he's like, he, you know, he wants to say something. He doesn't know what to say. He's like, and then so he says something like, uh, you're bet you're awesome. You're more awesome than Corey Feldman, and you're the best. <laughs> you're the best, Tommy Jarvis. Corey Feldman sucks. Or something, you know, and it was just, it was so wonderful. How you know I, what? It wasn't that bad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude. It was so I, said that, I said that you are my favorite Tommy Jarvis. Forget Corey <laughs> Feldman. Now that doesn't sound as bad, right? Come on. Uh, you should have just said forget that other guy. Well, there was two, two other. But Tom didn't help it either. He was just like, yep. Well, He's like, yep. Yeah. That's what I hear. Like, oh god, it's so, so awkward. It's so great. Wow, it was should have been taping that one. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I don't know. I and I'm like you, Dustin. I want to like, I want to come with something with something prepared to the conversation, and I could not think of anything. And then even later, when we went to his Q and A with him and Clue. I still could not, I couldn't think, I always try to prepare for questions for the Q&A, especially at the Kansas City Crypticon, because there's never a moderator, so yeah, it's, it's just it's just the audience staring at the guest and the guest staring back until somebody yeah. has the ball That was still awkward. That's oh yeah, weird. it's still bad. It's still bad. And I, and I thought I saved a lot of those last year. With the questions yeah. that I brought, but this year I'm just like I could not think of a thing to ask, and I specifically wanted to talk to Tom about his movies, and I could not think of a damn thing to ask that man. <laughs> you just know it all. Just start until you learned more at the Q and A. Yeah. Well, it's like, do I know it all, or do I not know enough? Like. I can't even think of a, I can't even think of a door uh, like a doorway into a Friday Thirteenth Part Six conversation with him. Like you know, it was like it, it would just be the Chris Farley show. It's like you were in Friday Thirteenth Part Six. <laughs> yeah, that, that was cool. Good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a. I think this year was a, a much better year there for merchandise. I thought they had a, a much bigger selection of of things that you could buy a much wider array of things you could buy i mean just some of the cool things that they had there and all the all the great vendors it was mm-hmm. i think a, a better year for sure in in that in that regard for only being their fifth year it's getting better every time oh yeah for sure you can tell yeah pretty cool pretty cool time what did you think terry you got to go yeah terry yeah it was a good time spent way too much money but um, mm-hmm. I finally um, paid to meet someone. I didn't do that last year. I just kind of stood back and just enjoyed the atmosphere, which, you know, I I mostly did this year, but I did um, <laughs> fork up the money to meet Heather Langenkamp, which was yeah. awesome. I didn't really have a lot to say. Like, it was still kind of awkward, but, you know, 
I did it. Woo! <laughs> you did it. And she was super nice, wasn't she? She, yeah, she was really nice. Yeah. But I so, wanted to meet. Oh, sorry. Oh no! Please go ahead. I was gonna say I really wanted to meet Chris Sarandon too. Like I kind of had the gumption after meeting Heather, but then Ooh. he was like fifty dollars, and I was like, oh, what? maybe not. Oh. It wasn't that much when I met him. He, well, we were, we're autographs and picture people, and his autograph and picture combo was 50 bucks. Holy crap. Yeah. Why, yeah. why aren't pictures and, free? Yeah. Well, what, God, I paid like 25 to get, maybe 30 to get a picture and an autograph with him. And that was at the first Days of the Dead Chicago. We'll mm-hmm. see. And we were thinking, like, at this, he was kind of one of the high rollers. Like, yeah. he's been in a lot of big films compared to some of the people. So 30 so. for an autograph, 20 for a picture? Well, well we stuff got, like that's gone up every time I've gone to a convention, even yeah. in the same year. Yeah. We'll see. And, and Crypticon really kind of prides itself on being fairly affordable. And they were even advertising, you know, celebrities are going to be between 20 to $40, depending. And he just kind of edged himself over that and... Then you Made got like appetizing. Then you got like the staples though, like people like Sid Haig, Eric Mears, they're still only charging like twenty. So Yeah. Yep. That's why you, you know, regardless of what if you're a f- super fan of those guys or not, you should hit their table up. They're affordable and they're fun to talk to, especially Derek Mears. <laughs> yes. He just seems to be having more fun at those things than any of us. Yeah. He's a very so. genuine guy and you can tell it too. So if Jason's gonna call me out on shit, I'm gonna call him out on shit. What? So we, what? Uh, so we go Uh-oh. to the, so it's like towards the end of the first <laughs> night, and you know people are packing up, and we go to, we we find out that the the author of or, or the documentary filmmaker that did More Brains and um, Never Sleep Again is there, and we we rush to his table because I wanted to get more brains i've been hunting that documentary down forever <laughs> and um also the uh, crystal lake uh, memories documentary uh, but when we got there they were like pretty much all packed up you know there was two tables in the far end of the of the one hallway and these and there's there's a couple people standing there this tall um guy who looks like the wizard master yeah, he looked like the Wizard Master from Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. Obvious, the author of of the book and the documentary filmmaker, and uh, and and there was a woman standing there with her back to us, Did talking to this guy. Her. And so we're kind of standing there, mumbling to ourselves, making fun of the guy, saying he looks like the Wizard Master. When the when the woman turns around, and and I instantly knew who it was. I'm a, I think I must have caught a profile when we first walked up. Um, so I'm I'm just waiting for Jason to recognize her, and she turns around and hears us talking, and she's just like, "Are you guys the last of the Elm Street children?" It was Heather Lanningcamp, and just the look <laughs> on Jason's face, like, "Oh shit, this that's Heather Lanningcamp." She's been standing there the whole time listening to us make fun of this other guy. I was I must have been talking loud enough because she asked me if I was drunk. Yeah, <laughs> which was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was great that she was just out, you know, Saturday night, kind of hanging out there in the in the lobby a little bit when we were yeah. coming back from the show. So it's cool to get to kind of see them out and about as well. Uh, two of the highlights for me this year um, are definitely more personal experiences. 
experiences. Um, one of them being that Chris Malky was was there. It's the first time yeah. he's ever really done one of these things. And Chris, for those out there who don't know, uh, Jason and I made a movie with Chris Malky a few years back. Um, and so it was just, that was a big motivator, honestly, a huge motivator for me to even go this year, was the fact that Chris was there. We haven't seen him since 2009. And I just wanted to see the guy again and, and you know, and bs with them it's just been forever since we've talked and um and you know like and instantly as soon as we show up there he's like it's mike jason blah, blah, you know and just you know every time we'd walk by he'd, he'd stop us and we'd have to stand there and chat with him for a good 15 20 minutes so, so it's just fun getting to hang out with him sharing sharing our memories of collapse and um listening to him tell other stories of of uh, his madness and and uh but then the kicker on top of everything else is like, you know, he's got all of his 8x10 sprawled out. He's got a picture of himself from from um, uh, First Blood. He's got a picture of himself from Cloverfield. And amongst all these 8x10s, there's an 8x10 from Collapse. And we're like, holy shit. And the man still hasn't yeah. even seen the movie yet. And he's got an 8x10 of the movie we did together. So that was freaking awesome. Pretty amazing. Heck yeah. yeah. Wow. And then wow. my, yeah, it was so cool. And then my other highlight, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the whole weekend was sitting in our hotel room Saturday night with with everybody and playing the, uh, um, uh, Freddie and Jason trivia game. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. Yes, that was tough. <laughs> it was fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> well, actually, we did pretty good. We did pretty. You did pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. I mean, if it. There wasn't too many questions where we were guessing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, not none of those that we didn't that we didn't get right or somebody didn't get. But you know, for once, I was like, like the number ones were just shouting out numbers. Like, how many yeah. years was this person alive? Like, it's like what the hell? Well, well there was everybody there was, had turns of brilliance and genius, and that was really cool to just to reassure how nerdy my friends are. There's, well, there's one part of the, there's one part of the game that I'm still pissed off about, and I I can sum it up with two words. Ted, Ted Nugent. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's a lucky guess. Who guesses Ted Nugent? And be right. It's, it's gonna bother him for a long time, guys. Forever. <laughs> really uh, shook him up. Yeah, I don't, even, I don't even remember what the question was about who was on the TV at some point. And yeah, it was a, was yeah. It a Friday Friday film or was it a Friday Five? It's like who was on? It was either who was on the TV or whose poster was on the wall. I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ted, random guess, guess and it was right. Guess Ted freaking new. The only time you should ever guess Ted Nugent in a trivia question is like who sung cat scratch fever that's it <laughs> <laughs> not who was on the poster in front of the back no <laughs> uh, but i digress any other mo- great moments you guys can recall there uh millions what was your favorite moment, Jason? Uh, uh, well, you know, when the, the trivia night was really fun. Um, I, I, 
Heather Langkamp still gets me any moment with her. All of them from from that crazy one where I was talking too loud apparently, and then just meeting her at her booth or see past her in the hallway. I'm I'm just uh, turning to such a little kid. Can't not giggle. <laughs> What's also kind of funny about the the random Heather Langkamp meeting there is that. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, we're packed. You, we're we're sorry, we're packed up, guys. You know, like, tell you what, come come to my booth first thing in the morning. If there's a line, just say just say we're the last of the Elm Street children. That's your pass to get all the way to the front. So she was gonna let us to the front if we just said that. But the thing is, we actually were there to get to talk to the other guy with the documents <laughs> in the book. <laughs> so, that's the sorry. Thing. Yeah. But what was? Well, it was cool. Even later, she remembered that, though. When we did get through her, get to her table the next day, she remembered um, that. She's like, "Why didn't you guys say it?" It's like, "Well, the line wasn't that long. We could wait." <laughs> <laughs> and then she rolled her eyes at me after we had her picture taken together. Because you made a face. But she didn't know that you always make a face. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as the picture was taken, she said, "He made a face, didn't he?" <laughs> yeah. I got suckered into taking photos for two strangers and the first one was for Heather Landing Camp and like when the first thing you go up is you pay, you know, pay your money for the photo and you talk to their assistant and their assist- assistant was like, "Please, no flash." I'm like, "That's cool. I got, I'm I got my phone. My phone's not going to flash." And so the guy in front of me, he's by himself. He's awkward as hell. He's trying to take a selfie. So he's trying to like turn it around and and, and finally, uh, finally, I, like I'm like, okay, I'll take the goddamn picture for you. And then, you know, first it's like backwards. I'm looking at myself at the goddamn screen. And then he's like, oh, I gotta flip it around. And then he flips it around, and I take the picture. And what does it do? It fucking, fucking flashes. Flash. Oh. I'm like, that was not me. I'm like, oh, she's gonna be pissed at me now. I'm next <laughs> line. And so I t- he's he's so awkward. And I take the picture again, and he's got like the shittiest phone ever. It's like from 1995. I don't know what the <laughs> hell. It takes like potato quality photo and it's fucked up and he's like oh I'll just go I'll just take it and she's like no 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 this is this is no we'll get you another one we'll, we'll get him taken care of and you come back and like like five other people end up like rolling through his line before he even gets to go back and, and take a picture with Heather and then I, I'm walking through the hallway and there's like n- like nurse, nurse Heath Ledger Joker uh, at Sid Haig's table and for some reason, he makes eye contact with me, and he's got, like, a phone from, like, you know, 1996, and he hands it to me, and he's, like, asking me to take a picture. And I, I, I hold it up. I'm like, do you want me to do landscape? Or he's like, just hold it up. And so I, I hold it up, and, and Sid, Sid I, haven't been, I haven't been to his table at, at this point, but I can, I can tell he's exhausted. You can just kind of tell an older person when they're tired. And, you know, he's trying to be lively. And I get ready to take the picture, and I push it, and I just see, like, this timer counting down. I'm like, fuck, dude, this this thing's on video. And he's like, oh. And the guy takes the phone from him, and he's about dropping it because he's shaking so bad, which is understandable if you're really, you know, sh- you know starstruck or whatever. And and so uh, the the look on Sid's face when he realizes that I was taking video was just – he was just – <sighs> like it was he seriously made a sigh like he was like Fuck. oh shit like he was he was you know he want keep the ball rolling there was there was he had a line all day and finally you know he gets the he gets it flipped and i take another shitty photo like it's a it's like you know like 
when you when you push a button and you think it's taken and you bring you're bringing your hand down and it takes like that oh, stretch and I'm like I'm like oh shit and he's like it doesn't matter I'm like are you sure you should probably check he's like it looks fine and I'm like okay you just paid you know you didn't pay very much but you paid money for a shitty photo so I struck out on taking stranger photos at this event <laughs> wow oh, oh man when you took the f- when the flash went off on Heather, the whole crowd around went, oh, <laughs> oh. It, was a big deal. it was a big deal. I mean, they stressed no flash for her. And I get it. You don't want to be looking at a flash all day. But, like, man, I felt bad. It wasn't even my fucking fault. <laughs> so maybe we'll uh, we'll get Dustin a T-shirt for next one that says, I won't take your picture. Yes, yes. Don't, don't ask me to take your picture. Exactly. <laughs> I just I guess I just had that face. This guy looks like he'll take my picture. No, leave don't. me alone. <laughs> Have a picture, buddy. Everyone else does. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, good times. Good times. Okay. Do we have any other killer news that we want to get into? That's all I've got. Oh, um, (laughs) well, there were a few trailers that have come out recently. Um, Yesterday, they just put out a newer Ash vs. Evil Dead trailer. Um, A lot of the same stuff in it, but there's also some new footage that looks really fun. Some 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 jokes and whatnot. Everyone did everyone get a chance to watch that? I had a chance. Yeah, when yeah when I first started watching it, I was like, "This is the same one," but then yeah. Yeah, it changes a little bit. Yeah, it, I thought I was watching the wrong thing at first, but <laughs> there's some new stuff in there. Change it up a little bit. Oh yeah, it's hard to talk about it because you don't want to just blurt out the new stuff you got to see. Yeah, no, you should. But you should go check it out. I know it's on YouTube. It, it might be kind of hard to find, but you can probably find it on like the Bloody Disgusting page. They just posted it. Yeah, it's on the front page of IMBD right now. Which I mean, oh, okay, oh, wow, cool. Comes out, but, um, yeah, it it kind of made me a little bit more excited for for the TV uh-huh. show. I'm still cautiously optimistic, but um. It'll be fun. I mean, it's Bruce. It's it's Sam. It's Evil Dead. Heck yeah! It's Deadites. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I don't know if they showed it the last time, but they have like this one Deadite. It's got like no eyeballs. It looks like very geared. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That was pretty cool. It's kind of different. So yeah, it's cool that I mean we took some kind of traditional looking deadites you know when the when he's like you know hey grandma bitch or whatever she's still kind of she still kind of likes a, you know it's kind of straight out of like army of darkness or something but then it looks like we're getting a new some new stuff too which is cool so yeah for sure and then we were also i had a couple of these guys watch it um there was a trailer for this new movie called the final girls looks kind of fun Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Although Jason... It looks like lots... To, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants to call up some lawyers because he thinks that they're ripping off their movie legend has it. He doesn't think. Oh. He knows it is ripping off legend <laughs> But it looks it, fun. Uh, yeah, it looks definitely totally fun. Definitely comedy horror 
kind of meta looking. It looks Very like meta. It'll be, yeah, it'll it'll be a good time, I think. Or it could just be a really well done trailer, but you never know. <laughs> I think I think it'll probably hold up. Yeah, the trailer's awesome, but you get those moments where they they kind of what we did in Legend Has It, where they really they really break the fourth wall. Well, they just like demolish the fourth wall, really, yeah. and um, you know, like pointing out when when it starts to turn into a flashback, and that. Uh-huh. that that was cool with the drippy black and white stuff coming mm-hmm. down from the sky. And you're like, what is this? And then all of a sudden they're in a flashback. Or when the slow motion bit was cracking me up. Yeah. <laughs> it looks fun. Yeah, totally. So hopefully it'll be good and I won't have to sue them. But <laughs> it's just bitter because it, it looks like it's... Who has had a real budget behind it compared to Legend has it. <laughs> so cool, yeah. So yeah. everybody out there, check those out. Final Girls and the new Ash vs. Evil Dead trailers. Alright, so we ready to head north <laughs> to Canada, eh? <laughs> Talk about some Canada films. Canada <laughs> <Kawadada> films. <laughs> Canada. Okay. You know. Canadia. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to start? Who wants to start us off? Who wants to? I will. Thank you, Terry. You're welcome. A. You're so polite. <laughs> <laughs> She must be Canadian. Like a Canadian. (laughs) Sorry. Well, Well, I know you guys have talked this movie up up and down, and I finally watched it for this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. (laughs) Yeah! Oh, I love that movie. It It was a lot of fun, but for some reason, I guess... It was much more straight-laced than I thought it would be because I know you guys so well and I figured it was just going to be <laughs> outrageously You've seen cheesy. some of the shit they've made you watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's legitimately good. Yeah, I mean, and there were definitely some strange moments like the scene um, in Vicky's bedroom where everything, like the rocking horse. The rocking horse. Was so creepy. What That's the like fuck? infamous, yeah. That is yeah. one horny rocking horse gross um <laughs> it was a lot of fun and i actually i had watched the original prom night right before well closely before watching this one and there's such a stark contrast between them it's like oh, i don't yeah. i even watched the other one but uh not that it was bad the, the first one's good in its own right too but well they are two completely different films yeah totally i mean there are similarities but um Michael Ironside was pretty great in this one. Um, I wish he kind of had more of a part. I mean, he he did quite a bit, but I feel like he could have had some more screen time and I wouldn't have been sad. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know. I thought that, especially when... Uh, at the end when Mary Lou is she like when she's coming out of the body, that scene was awesome. Like mm-hmm. the zombie crawling out of 
the other girl's skin, which I don't, uh, I don't understand how that girl was alive after that, but whatever. Um, Canadian. Yeah. Uh, but this, yeah, that whole scene when she's resurrected and whatnot was really cool, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Much different than what I thought it would be, but I really enjoyed it for sure. Now, you said that you were concerned because we've talked it up so much that, and you, you know, it's abilities that you thought it'd be, you know, like cheesy B stuff. That's part three. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, well, I watched this, this one was on YouTube, and part three was going to start instantly playing, and I was considering watching it, but I was like, eh, maybe I'll hold off and watch this another day, so that one's, like, super B, right? Oh, yeah, well, and it's, it, it goes, it's definitely more for comedy, and, and, which is weird, it does a complete tone shift between two and three, but it still deals with Mary Lou. Like, Mary Lou, not even played by the same actress, mind you, but Mary Lou is is still the main um, antagonist of the, of the film for the third one. Really? So, yeah, so, I mean, I'd get it if they did, like, a tonal shift. It's like the... It's like the Chud movies. Like, Chud movies, you know, it's... The Chud one is, like, so straight, serious, and everything. And then Bud the Chud, Chud 2... Is is as a straight up comedy. Like there's not even really any horror in it, and it's a straight comedy. So it's just weird to have like a sequel be a just completely different genre than the original. And that's kind of what two and three is like as well. I mean, it's it definitely still has it still really tries hard to have some horror to it, but uh, it definitely plays up way more comedy than than two even um, thought. You know, nice. so it's just it's just weird in that regard, and the fact that it's still trying to carry on the Mary Lou character mm-hmm. as well. So, which is the the only two films that connect out of the whole franchise. But even still, like it's just the Mary Lou character and the high school is the only thing that really connects. There's no real reference to the original movie, or I mean, or I guess part two, uh, in part three, but, uh, but yeah. But part two now, yes, it's super freaking, super freaking awesome. Love it. It was good. Oh, and the the scene with the, uh, the blackboard that was really cool too. Like when she gets sucked into it, when she's at detention. Uh huh. Oh yeah. It was it's like got some really good effects in the movie. Yeah. They did a really good job with it. Now, now the reason why it's so different than the original film than the original prom night is because it wasn't originally intended to be a sequel. Okay. Uh, it was it was through the production it was going to be its own movie, but I can't remember. And the thing is it's like the producers and all that through the whole franchise 1 through 4, it's all the same producers, even a lot of the same crew worked on all four films, but all four films are just so you know, so different from each other as far as, as like look and feel and all that stuff. So when you go from one to two, it, it's a huge jump and a huge shift. But uh, that's because like it was originally, there was even an, even back in the day, an old Fangoria article about the movie um, during the production and had a lot of, you know, pictures from the film. And it wasn't, even in the Fangoria article, it wasn't referred to as Prom Night 2. It was referred to by its other title. Which I can't remember right now, but 
So yeah, it was. I think it was down to a last-minute decision to change it to change the title and connect it to the franchise from it. Is that not the greatest title in the history of horror cinema, by the way? <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Hello, Mary Lou, prom night two. <laughs> it's right up there with breaking two. Electric Boogaloo. Mm-hmm. Kill Bill. You know, the whole rhyming thing. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the first thing you could think of. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen this in a while. I remember the first time I saw it, it had, like, the only version I could get had, like, Russian subtitles, so it was kind of obnoxious, but, yeah, it's a really fun movie. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to say anything else about it, but I was going to mention I just, like, I'd seen Prom Night 2 before, but I hadn't seen Part 1, so I just watched Part 1 for this episode. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you wanted to touch more on that, but... It is, like, so different. Like, I'd seen Prom Night 2, and, you know, it's pretty outrageous, so I was expecting more more of that, but it's, yeah, it's so it's... much straighter, the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, for, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Well, quick, before we get into Prom Night 1, um, you know, John, you said you were a really big fan of, of Prom Night 2. Is there anything mm-hmm. else you wanted to add to that? Um, I just, I like the uh, pseudo-hallucination dream sequences where the, the school is suddenly, you know, Dark and dusty and covered in cobwebs. Kind of, kind of reminds me of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and whatnot. But it's just, it, yeah, when she kind of has those hallucinations, it gets really, really creepy. Just mm-hmm. walking through the halls of the high school and whatnot, just kind of unsettling. I don't know. For sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And the actress that played Mary Lou. Not the one, not the girl that was possessed by Mary Lou, but the actual Mary Lou. She was hot. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay, so prom night one. <laughs> uh, what more did you? What else did you want to say about it, Sam? Oh, I was just gonna say. Yeah, you know, prom night two is like, also very eighties, and then you go back and watch prom night one, and it's like. The seventies, they're super seventies. Like I, I haven't, I haven't seen the other ones. I don't know if they're as zeitgeisty, but it's like, what? I guess it came out what nineteen eighty, so it's like, yeah, you know, the height of the seventies, and it's just, I mean, for fuck's sake, they have like a disco themed prom. Yeah, there's like literally like fifteen minutes of disco dancing in this movie. Yeah, and they've got the sweet like light up floor from like Saturday Night Fever. It's awesome. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. What high school had that? I mean, seriously. yeah, yeah. Wasn't that hell expensive? Like, what the hell? Well, we didn't a... have that kind of budget for prom. Heck no. Well, and all of our proms are just in the freaking gym anyway. Yeah. So, you know. <clears throat> right, and this is yeah, but yeah. Not only were there like disco dancing, but like. Jamie Lee Curtis and this other dude have like this insanely choreographed dance. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty impressive, actually. That's where That's they like, spent the budget. Wow. Uh, yeah. I guess. You don't see that too much nowadays, I feel like. But, uh. Yeah. It was, it was a really long dance scene, though. Like, I almost felt like it went on way too long for the it movie. It did. But it was cool. it was really awesome. So I'm like, all right, I'll keep watching this. I guess. Yeah. Jamie Lee shaking yeah. it. 
They must have been like, you know what, disco, that's what's hot right now. This is going to put butts in the seats. We've got to have a 20-minute disco scene. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, it probably did work back then, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because disco was still really huge, unfortunately, even in 1980. Yeah, for sure. It, uh... I was looking. It looks like it was supposed to take place in Ohio, though. They had like Ohio license plates. Oh yeah. What's up with that? Like I could see if like this was New York City or something, why they would have a big budget prom like that. But anyway, it's it is. I mean, a, there's just a lot of films that are shot in Canada that do not take place in Canada, and I know like. A lot of the rules in filming movies in Canada is you got to have like a certain amount of Canadian crew. You got to have a certain amount of Canadian cast, uh, and sometimes, sometimes those accents just come out, man. Oh yeah, you definitely at one point, um, the guy who plays the prom king, he like very clearly says, "Sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> It's like, come on, you're not fooling anyone. But, uh, yeah, and I get, you know, Leslie Nielsen is is in this, which I didn't know, but I guess he's from Saskatchewan, Canada. Oh, I didn't know that. Interestingly, yeah. He's very, very briefly in this movie, which he's listed as one of the headliners, obviously because he was a big name at the time, but... Yeah, I mean, he's got, got, yeah, a handful of scenes, but sure, he's not... A headliner, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I was, you know, I think one of the other interesting things about this movie is just how many, you know, what we now regard as classic horror conventions are, are in this picture, which is, you know, not terribly new. I mean, 1980, I don't think there were too many slasher films before that, what we, you know, what we would now think of as kind of, the, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh like yeah. Like what the I think the burning that's kind of like considered one of the the first modern slashers, right? That's so. Well, you know, well there's always the debate on which was the first original slasher. Black you know, there's there's <laughs> there's the, you know everybody you know, there's so many people say it's Halloween. There are the there are the cool people that say Black Christmas. Damn right. <laughs> Some people uh-huh. even some people even you know get get really hipster and and claim it to be Psycho or Peeping Tom. Yeah, right. But right. Whatever the case may be, you know, if I if I had to pick one, I would go with Black Christmas just because Black Christmas is one of my favorite movies. Sure, sure. I mean, but I know th- the, yeah. the the award has to uh-huh. go to Halloween. You know, Black Christmas came out, it did what it did, whatever. But Halloween was the movie that really opened up everybody's eyes and said, hey. And then all the slashers came after that. And yeah. and, and I also want to give huge kudos to the original Friday 13th because that's the movie that coined the phrase slasher. That's the movie that brought the blood into the front of the screen. And that is really where things extremely took off. That's when you got, like, The Burning, The Prowler, um, Happy Birthday to Me... Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, and just like seriously, between 19. 
there were slasher movies made between 1980 and 1983 than there are horror movies made in the whole last decade. So, I'm exaggerating a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there have definitely been slasher films before that, before that, before this picture, but this, this is the first picture that I know of that uses kind of the, uh, you know, like it's like the whole story they do, and uh, you, I know what you did last summer, and it, you know, it's this story where basically you got a group of friends, they commit some horrible, heinous crime, and, yeah. they, you know, they make this vow of secrecy never to talk about it. And then years later, it kind of comes back to, to haunt them. Yep. Yeah. Figuratively or literally. And uh, that's kind of what you have in this film, you know. There's a group of these young kids that are, like, playing tag, and they accidentally kill this girl she like falls out the window and they're like oh fuck we can't talk about this and then uh you know the rest of the movie it's all about the revenge um in this case i guess it's like her twin brother that comes back is is this by the way the 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 girl who dies is that mary lou then i didn't catch her name oh and from like is that supposed to be the same character from it was like robin or something okay no yeah, no, okay. it's not related at all. <laughs> I think right, right. the I think the only connecting factor between all four movies is the name of the high school, and I don't even know if that was even originally intended because it's not like when you watch Prom Night Two, there's references to all these like kids happened years ago, back in 1980 at the same high school, you know? Hmm. It's just yeah, but they're just so starkly different because oh yeah, the first ones very much so grounded in reality like it's all yeah. you know it's a, not a ghost coming back to haunt them or anything like that whereas the second one it's very supernatural based where Mary Lou like does she comes back and she possesses someone and she's getting her revenge that way like it's just completely different tones to both of the movies and different storylines and everything yeah yeah for sure well you know and like Prom Night 2 Prom Night only a reaction to Halloween and Friday Thirteenth, where Prom Night Two is definitely a reaction to Nightmare on Elm Street. Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. Has anybody else ever seen Prom Night Three? I own it, but I have not watched it yet. I've seen it. It oh, was the you... first. That was the first one I ever saw. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember, I remember liking it when I was younger, and then I revisited it. I'm like, oh, boy, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> bad. <laughs> no, it's just not good. It's not good well, anyway. It's, it's almost like a TV, um, like a, a like made-for-TV movie almost. I had never seen it before, and then I listened to a podcast um, that did a retrospect on all four films. And just listening to them describe part three, I'm like, I have to see this. Because I didn't even know, honestly, I didn't even know it had anything to do with the whole Mary Lou character. So I'm like, oh, I didn't know there there is actually one movie that connects to another in this franchise. <laughs> so, um, And it really still doesn't. It's just about Mary Lou and not, <laughs> doesn't <coughs> reference anything that happens in two. And it's, and it's actually even completely different because like, 
This time Mary Lou comes back and she's just a straight up ghost through the whole movie. She doesn't possess anybody, but she falls in love with this she falls in love with one of the teenagers from the high school. And she causes all these evil things to happen that benefit that benefits the kid. And and, and like and he's having you know, he's having sex with her and stuff, but like when but every time she kills somebody, he has to bury the body and he buries it in the football field of the high school. <laughs> Like no yeah. one's gonna find it, you know, yeah. right? So perfect hiding spot. <laughs> so it gets really silly in that regard. Um, whether that's intentional comedy or not, so, some of it I'm not really sure. Although you know, describing it in that fashion makes you think like, because there's just always that scene. It's like, oh, another one. I gotta go bury it, you know. Want want hijinks, you know. But then there's like, there, but then there's other moments. It's like, okay, well, it's definitely gotta be comedy because. If you go back and listen to like all the high school scenes during the day, they have they have these announcements played over the PA system, and they're all jokey. They're all jokey uh, uh, announcements. Like they're all just bad puns and and bad jokes. Um, so obviously those are there for comedy. Um, but, but then it just gets really dark towards the last half of the movie. Like all the once once the guy's like I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore, Mary Lou. I love this other girl, and you're killing all these people. Blah 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 blue, and I'm tired of burying them in the football field. And then it just it just gets it, then it just gets dark when she's like when she goes after him and family. So, but even those dark moments, there's it's still like it doesn't make any sense because the police. The police eventually find the bodies, and they do end up linking it to the kid. So they go after the kid, and they show up at the kid's house. The whole family's home, in bed, asleep, right? The kid goes down downstairs, and he's got a shotgun, and he thinks... And the cops show up, and he thinks, like, Mary Lou's out there, and he just shoots the shotgun. And then the freaking police department, without any warning... Without like come out with your hands up, blah blah blah, whatever, or the police, where the police, blah blah blah, they just start turning this house into Swiss cheese, never hitting the kid, not once, and the kid, so they end up arresting the kid. I think right, they arrest him. The parents never come downstairs. Like, what's going on? What's all this noise? They just never, they're just, they never come out. They never wake up. There you are, heavy sleepers. So. So it's just weird stuff like that. And then he ends up going to hell to try to find his girl because Mary Lou dragged her to hell. and Yeah. And then all the hell sequences are just like $1.95 set dressing. of the. They're just bad, done done really badly with all these like zombie traitors and shit. Um, the thing that always... That I found really odd about this movie is some of the some of the sensibility of the cinematographer in this I don't know if they were just thinking that these were cool cool shots or what there was a lot of shots in this movie where somebody it, it'd be they'd be the, the center of the frame they'd be the uh, focal point of the frame and they're talking to somebody but yet there'd be some inanimate object in the foreground that's obstructing their face. I counted like t at least ten times 
a, a shot like that. And it was just so jolting and weird. I'm like, what? Is it... Do you think that's a cool shot? I don't get it. Why Why are you having this person talking, but there's something right in front of their face? Oh, that's, that's the filmmaker side of me. Just paying way too much attention to the setups of shots, but... <laughs> So, Dustin, are you the only one that's that's seen part three? Anybody else? Nope. Nope. All right. I think I've seen part four. Isn't there part four? There yeah. is part four. Doesn't and... even, like, oh, resemble the, the first no. three? Oh, no. Well, none of them resemble any of the others. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think four, they dropped the Mary Lou thing, and they went with something else. But I don't even remember four. I remember it just being, like, a regular old prom night type movie. It's another straight-up slasher? Yeah. Okay. Like, but they were adults. I mean, like, they're supposed to be kids, but they're, like, straight-up adults. I remember it being very, very porno-y. <laughs> <laughs> I must not have watched it then. I'd remember. I, I got it from Netflix uh, back when I was doing, having them shipped to my home, and it came... I, I really just wanted to see part three because I wanted to revisit it, and it came on this dual disc with part four. Like, oh, oh okay. Well, I've never seen part four, so then I just watched them together, and I think I turned them both off, like in the middle. Like I just, it was hard to, hard to watch them. Mm. Yeah, I thought I saw like a uh, a quadruple feature DVD in like the discount bin one time, and thought about picking it up, but so it sounds like one and two are basically the only two worth watching. I still had fun with three. I mean, it's. Right. It's it's bad in some regards, but it's got, again, it's got some funny moments, some intentional, some not intentional, you know, and I think, like, if you, if you are a fan of the first two, I think it'd be worth watching at least once, just to kind of be a completist on it, mm-hmm. but four, but four, I honestly, I don't remember a damn thing about it, so that's that probably okay to skip, and the remake, definitely skip. A remake was yeah. You didn't know there was a remake to Prom Night. No. It's bad yeah. too. It's, it's bad. really bad. Is it pretty recent? Like 2006, I think. Yeah. Really. Somewhere around oh. there. Yeah, I feel like maybe I heard of it, but I never saw it. 2008 was when it was. Why don't they just make it part five instead of? I know, right? They could. Um, I, they could. I mean, it's at least disco. Tell me there's disco at least. <laughs> uh, if I remember right, no disco. No disco. No. But that's the thing. Why couldn't they just call it Part 5? Because it's not a straight remake of the original movie. Yeah, I don't even remember the premise. And if all the other films are not related, then why Why not just... I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Makes the brain hurt. It does. Yeah. It's just bad. It doesn't matter. It's so shitty. There's like no suspense in it, really, because you know who the killer is right off the bat. And when I say that, I don't mean in the regards of like, oh, it's so obvious. No, they just, they literally tell you and show you right off the bat who the killer is, so. Next next time Justin is on the show, ask him about it. (laughs) Justin is the guy that will cheerlead about any movie, but he will tear that one apart in a heartbeat, so... <clears throat> All right, have we had our fill of prom night? 
Yeah. Yeah. Good. By the way, just <laughs> off topic, but did any of you guys go to prom? I was just gonna say I didn't like prom night when I was in school. Why uh, I watch it now? I wore my Nick Cave shirt to prom. That, that was that was me dressing up. You got all the ladies. Yeah. No. <laughs> I sadly went to more proms after high school than I attended when I was in high school. I only ever went to my senior prom just because I felt like, you know, you have to go to your senior prom. And it was fun. It was me and my buddies, and we, you know, we all got tuxes and stuff, but then it was just us still being us. You were at my prom. Stupid shit. But yeah, I went to your senior prom because a a girl um, in your class asked me to go with her, so I went to your prom. So that was cool. Got to hang out with. Got to hang out with you and Ben. I think I hung out with you and Ben more, and I hung out with the girl that was my date. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, that's like fuck yeah. prom. <laughs> oh, fuck you didn't that. go at all? No, man. I went to. I think I went to one dance in all of my uh, high school and middle school career. <laughs> if you like, I think it was like sixth grade. And that was like the last dance I went to. And I just remember they played uh, My Heart Will Go On the whole uh. night. <laughs> they oh just God. like played that on repeat. And I'm like, <laughs> These dances are gay. Fuck this. I went, but I always just went with like my close guy friends. I don't know. I didn't really date in high school, I was a nerd. But I didn't mind dances. I got to be in a dress, because I never, ever wear dresses. Ever. <laughs> so that was interesting. Right. Cool. Should we get into some Cronenberg, maybe? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we can get into some Cronenberg. Where do you want to start? I don't know, man. I watched, uh, has anyone seen Rabid? I watched that movie for the first time for this. Yes, I love Rabbit. And Rabbit is, it's like, I think, one of his first films, but it's still one of my favorites. Yeah, it's pretty early, 1977. Yeah, yeah. See, that's one I, I haven't seen that one yet. I have Shivers, though. And I don't know why it's, it's it stands out as one of my favorites, if it's just the fact that it's, it's a comp, well, it's hard. It, you can't sit here and say because it's so weird because that's all of his movies. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't know if it's the it's the thing of, of if the fact that it was a '70s film and it really feels like a '70s film. Um, combination with like it's definitely it's it's a like an apocalypse film as well. Right, right. And I think that's probably why because I I love apocalypse movies where just. Society, you know, this one thing starts and society just completely deteriorates, breaks down. So, or maybe it was because it was Marilyn Chambers. I don't know. Probably the latter. <laughs> <laughs> sort of did it for me. Yeah, apparently she, like, I looked her up on IMBD. I guess she was like, did a lot of adult films. Oh yeah, af- she's... after this, like, she really didn't do too much in the mainstream. This was really her only mainstream film, but yeah, she she comes from porn. But she was she she was seventies porn, so it was like when porn still had 
um, storyline when they were actually still trying to make movies. They just it just happened to involve sex as well. You right, know, right. so like uh, she's most known for Deep Throat, right? I think. I don't know. Is she? Would, <laughs> I, I, think, I would know. I would know. I, my... think, <laughs> I think so. I'm forgetting now. I have to look now. So carry on about rapid while. Yeah. Um. It was. Maybe I didn't pay attention enough, but it was kind of a strange plot. So like she. Basically, this chick is she like gets in a motorcycle wreck and uh, it's like out in remote Quebec, and these like. There's some kind of like medical facility there, and they're like specializing in cosmetic surgery, some kind of cutting edge procedure, and they like basically use her as a lab rat. And uh... what was that, Sam? You're kind of breaking up. Oh, everybody's on. Did we lose everybody? And they're coming back. Okay. It's cut out. Yeah. Can you hear me? You said was lab rat. Yeah. So they like use this this girl as a lab rat, and they're like trying to do some kind of a cutting edge surgery, right? Do you remember any of this, Mike? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they yeah, like yeah. they like. They like take a sample of her skin and like graft it onto some other part of her body, and but they like treat it somehow. They like neutralize it. I think. I don't know. It's fucking really conceptual, but basically, through this procedure, she like gets these like spider fang appendages. That's the only way I can describe it. Like some kind of weird like sharp fang-like things that shoot out of her fucking armpits. <laughs> so bizarre. It's, and she she yeah, basically she basically like cuddles people to death. She just like hugs them and like you know, stabs them with her armpits and that's a cuddler. And she like sucks their blood. Yeah. But is it's like so inconsistent too because like part of the time she'll like kill people by like sucking their blood with these fangs and then other time they just they just like eat people. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, well, it, what's always what I always found weird about the movie as well, like how, and this is this happens in a lot of Cronenberg stuff. The uh, the innuendo and the sexuality of the whole thing too, and that armpit and the fact that it's Marilyn Chambers, which behind the green door, by the way, is the movie she's most well known for. Behind the green okay. door. Um. Uh, uh, Deep Throat was Linda Lovelace. Sorry. Anyway, uh, I was I always thought that uh, that creature thing in her armpit was rather penis looking. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, a little bit. But like, yeah. why? Did, why is it in her armpit and not like her crotch or something? Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird spot. It's a weird thing to happen because. This is all because of a plastic surgery. Like, how does how does how does a botched plastic surgery job turn into like now she has this weird um, creature <laughs> creature in her armpit that cause that's causing this plague? Yeah. 
like I don't know, man. Like Cronenberg is like very intellectual, yeah, and conceptual. But then, like at the same time, sometimes it seems like he's very, I don't know, inconsistent. Or maybe maybe I'm just retarded. But I don't know. I don't know how to read this movie. Like, is well, it, are you saying this one that you're you're bringing up a very interesting thing, and I want to explore it a little more? Because you're saying that he's kind of inconsistent. Are you basically referring to this movie, or do you have other exa- other examples from his filmography? Well, mainly this movie, but I mean, a lot okay. of his his stuff is kind of hard to to follow or you know read. It seems very uh, you know, there's a lot of symbolism and whatnot. You know, Videodrome is very uh, Videodrome. I figured you were gonna bring uh, that one up. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of a similar thing with the, the body I, horror. I've seen that movie way too many times, and I still can't tell you what the f's going on in it. So, <laughs> right, I, right. I, I know what you're saying there, but I still like it because I get it. Like Cronenberg, yeah, he's he's very messagey. He's definitely got a lot of message, kind of surreal in a way, it's almost like um, and then and then just the fact that he's just known as the body horror guy, like. All of his subject matter really deals with, well, most of the subject matter, I guess I should say, um, really deals with, um, you know, the, the, the horrific things that can happen to your own body kind of stuff, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, have you guys seen Existence? Yeah. Not in a long time. Yeah, that was really weird. I, I gravitated towards that because it's about video games, in a way. Yeah, it's kind of like the Matrix, but with wasn't there games. like a weird fleshy controller? It's been yeah. a while since I've watched. Yeah, it. yeah, it's it's almost like a game system that they 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 put into a hole into your back, and then and then you go into the into that world, and you you play the game. But some of the stuff that they do is just they, they they make this gun out of like bones and just gore. It's just the most disgusting. Like I've seen some pretty gnarly things, but like then like eating this like Chinese soup and then like spitting out the bones and like constructing this gun is just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> With you saying that, Dustin, have you seen Video Drum? No, I haven't. Like there's a there's a point in the movie where James Woods reaches into his own abdomen and pulls out this like flesh gun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, and then like there's this, there's a moment where like guts and stuff are coming out of this TV. It's and it and it's all based also all this grotesqueness is all based around sex and different sexual fetishes and stuff. Yeah. Like, it's got, yeah. So I, but I still haven't. What's it? What's it called again? The one you're talking about? Existence. Existence. Yeah. Is Which, it existence or existence? I never knew how to fucking well, pronounce that. Well, they say it in the game, and that's how I. Okay. I could have swore that's how they were saying it, but I, right. I, I could be wrong. I've never seen it, but I've I've often heard to it referred to as um, kind of like a newer version of Videodrome. Where Videodrome is all about like, uh, you know, television and 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 the the up and coming you know video revolution and all that, um, where you know existence or whatever is way more like about video games and shit, but still a lot of the same themes, right? From the sounds of it. 
Well, I've never seen video drums, so I can't compare. Sure, sure. Yeah, I haven't seen either in a while, but, you know, there's definitely some uh, some similar things going on. But, yeah, I kind of thought Existence was a little more, I don't know if I would say easier to follow, but uh, more entertaining, I guess. Okay. But, uh, yeah, man. It's on Netflix right now, so. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. sweet. I'll have to check it out. I think I've heard enough talk about it lately. I'm like, I definitely should be watching this so yeah but yeah it's very I, I think they mentioned in rabid they reference uh, Freud briefly so he does seem preoccupied with the whole Freudian philosophy yeah I'm not I'm not really I just I don't know what to make of it but <laughs> but no Rab, rabbit is still a fun movie I think one of my favorite scenes is where uh <clears throat> the main character, she's in a mall, and like some guy hits on her, and <laughs> he goes to get a light for a cigarette, and like uh, one of the infected people attacks him. Like some mall cop just opens fire, and he like he like kills the Santa Claus there because it's like Christmas time. They got a Santa there, and oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just nuts. He he is good with like the set pieces even though he is like very intellectual he's good with like you know being also very visual and entertaining oh yeah for sure for sure but uh I don't know man that's all I really got on on Rabbit now John you mentioned Shivers um I don't remember Shivers I've only watched it once when I bought it and that was like five-ish years ago. I okay. I want to say there was something in a weird way like this sexually transmitted virus that just kind of makes everybody super horny. I'm probably remembering that wrong. But it was, yeah, I mean, it something with the body and then people were just kind of like going after everybody. Like, you know, in a weird way, a zombie movie. But it was, I want to say there was something sexual about it. <laughs> hmm. Hugs and kisses. <laughs> Still talking about Cronenberg. <laughs> but yeah, uh, God, I need to rewatch that now. But I remember yeah. it being pretty, pretty messed up, and the end of it is pretty bleak. I think, like, there's no real. I mean, it's no happy ending. Big shocker. <laughs> really? See, God, now yeah. I, oh, it's been a while. I know I've seen it before. It's just been forever, and for the longest time, until I was able to rewatch um, *Rabbit*, I would always get the two confused. Mm-hmm. And I still think there's maybe elements that I remember wrong from *Rabbit* that are probably actually from *Shivers*. But um. well, if you look at the uh, the synopsis on IMDb, the residents of a suburban high-rise apartment building are being infected by a strain of parasites that turn them into mindless sex-crazed fiends out to infect others by the slightest sexual contact. See, so that's I kind of remembered it right. Yeah, well, and then that's where you could easily get confused because there's a two-year difference between the two films. And um, the the one, uh, both of them have to do with, like, infections and stuff, so... So yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Has anyone seen uh uh what's it called the uh the one with 
fucking. Oh my gosh. Pony pool? That's hey. it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's where you're going with it because. Oh. No, Dead Ringers with uh, oh, no, Jeremy been, Irons. Honestly, that, yeah, honestly, that's yeah. one of his that I've never seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, okay. the, the twin gynecologist, right? Or something yeah. like that. I was like, I started to watch it once, and it was just so fucking weird. I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. So I was just wondering if you'd seen it, but I guess not. So, uh, what 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 are you your guys's uh, favorite Cronenberg films? Ooh. Um, they- for me, it's a toss up between I'd probably say The Brood is probably one of my favorites. And um, uh, probably the fly. That's kind of an easy me, one. Yeah. yeah, I'd say brood, scanners, or videodrome. It's kind. Of, it kind of depends on my uh, my mood or the day. Yeah, scanners good and all, but it it it's it's so it, it's so slow at times. So yeah, yeah. Scan- yeah, scanners. I had trouble with. I guess I oh, was ex- I was expecting you know. Because it's so famous or infamous in a lot of ways, I was expecting more, but it's kind of—I don't know—hard to follow. I should probably revisit it, but the head exploding, yeah, that was fun. Oh was yeah, fun. still fun. one of the top greatest head explosions of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, yeah, I like as far as his older stuff, like flying the dead zone. I think are probably my favorites, but I like a, a lot of his newer stuff too. I don't know if you saw, they're not really horror movies, but A Dangerous Method and History of Violence. History definitely. of Violence is good. History yeah. of Violence is good. I definitely have seen that, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen The Dangerous Method. Yeah, yeah, Dangerous Method, that, you know, obviously it's literally about Freud, so it gets more into that. Um. And it, it's basically, you know, about Freud and his relationship with Carl Jung, but it's pretty interesting. Kind of a, a different way of exploring his, his sexual themes. Anyone, anyone else want to comment on what their favorite Cronenberg is? Terry? I don't feel like <laughs> I... I think I've seen... Um, fly like back in the day but I don't I haven't really seen many so no I don't want to comment on that Mike (laughs) (laughs) Dustin yeah I think it probably had to be the fly I really don't like scanners at all I mean if the only thing for me that it had going for it was that head explosion He, he has definitely done a lot of iconic gore scenes from films. Yeah. I mentioned The Brood earlier. The Brood's got one of my favorites of and it, and it's typical like messed up Cronen, Cronenberg. I feel like Scanners plot is pretty fo- it's pretty easy to follow. Fly's pretty easy to follow. But The Brood kind of goes into that again kind of surreal kind of weirdness where it doesn't n- realistically make any sense but uh but basically um one of the great final scenes is this woman is giving birth to these like mutant children and 
And so, and it's like this guy's wife or whatever that he's been trying to find. And it's like part of this, I don't know, some kind of cult or something I'm trying to remember. Um, And then so when he finally finds his wife and she's completely just like all screwed up now. It's just all evil and stuff. And she's, she's giving birth to these children, but they're all born on the outside of her body. So you have like these umbilical cords coming out of her. And the the baby wrapped up in the in the placenta, and she picks one of them up and bites into the placenta and rips it open to pull the baby out, and it's one of the greatest, grossest scenes of all time. It's awesome, man. And it's also the first time I ever really saw death of children. First time I ever saw the dude, um, because again, these like mutant monster children that are like psychically linked or something. Or has to... Oh, I forget. Anyway, there's a scene where these mutant children are going after the guy, and he's got a gun. And so he's, like, shooting these mutant children, and you are seeing full-on squibs on these on these uh, mutant children. So it's not quite as shocking as you'd think, because, again, they're mutant children. They're, they're like, little monster children, so um, they're, they don't really resemble human children too much. And all the squib shots are from the back, so you imagine, like, when they shot those those effects, they probably just had, like, um, like little people dressed up in the outfits and <laughs> put the squibs on them instead of actually putting squibs on real children, so... Spoil sports. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm just assuming. Because every gunshot to a mutant child is, like, you see the the exit wound come out of their back, so. But, yeah, it's crazy. It's messed up movie. But the fly, but the fly, right? We all agree fly is pretty badass. Oh, yeah. The best. One of his more mainstream films. Mainstream films, and again, with a pretty followable plot and story and Jeff Goldblum awesome it's really all you need yeah well Gina Davis when she was super hot Uh, was she I thought I thought during that time she was super hot I used to have a huge crush yeah she has a handsome jawline (laughs) (laughs) you said it thank you that she's a handsome lady what what whatever yeah. Go back and watch Transylvania 65000, and when she's dressed up like Vampirella at the end of the movie, uh, you'll change your mind. What did I say that was not good? I said she had a handsome jawline. Handsome doesn't imply manlike. You just made it like that, John. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's handsome like Glenn Close. What? Oh my goodness. I think she's very pretty. Like Liv Tyler. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Whatever. The fly contains one of the one of the uh, most disturbing gore effects for me. Anytime there's like fingernails being ripped off. Oh fuck. Uh, <laughs> right. Between between that and when the zombies are clawing on the side of the um, dead reckoning in land in um, 
Land of the Dead, uh-huh. and they're they're clawing at the side of the <laughs> Dead Reckoning, and their fingernails are just ripping off, and I'm just like, ah! I'm getting sick thinking about it. Ugh. I know, right? That's like the worst thing ever. I I can what? handle anything, but fingernails, toenails, and teeth. Teeth, teeth are probably worse worse for me than fingernails. That's teeth why I'll are... never watch Requiem again. Yeah. Oh fuck. You're no kidding. Well, that's not the only reason I'll never watch Requiem again. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm saying that by saying also it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but that movie disturbs the heck out of me. Anyway, so the fly. Yeah, it is. It is very, uh, very relatable. I, I think, isn't it kind of basically supposed to be kind of a thinly veiled metaphor for like AIDS? I mean, it's about this, you know, deterioration of this this individual, the yeah physical deterioration and. You know, watching someone you love kind of go through that, it's kind of a tough movie to watch in a lot of ways, emotionally, not just physically. Yeah, for sure. You just really feel for Jeff Goldblum. and. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. It's really, yeah, just really personal. I think that's what makes it work, work aside from the, the great special effects. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, that, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's not like a ton of characters. You got Gina Davis. You got her ex-boyfriend. Who amazing moment when the fly is when well when Jeff Goldblum is puking up the fly acid on the guy's arm. Yeah. 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 Oh man. What a better twitchy motherfucker to play the fly though, right? Yeah. God. So good. Oh Shine. yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, and that's the thing that's great about it too. I mean, you obviously get all the great special effects. You know, hair falling out, the fingernail stuff, the the teeth. You got the giant thick hair hairs growing on his back and all that. And and when he starts really getting messed up, the bubbly skin and shit. But but the performance the performance cultivates those special effects though. Like the twitchiness and and just those moments of, you know, you really feel like he is turning into a fly. So, right. So, lo, I've always loved Jeff Goldblum. I think he's awesome. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'd even watch Independence Day again just because Jeff Goldblum's. <laughs> he was good on it. I watched it on Independence Day. <laughs> awesome. Trying to start my own tradition, maybe I don't know. Didn't so. you say? Didn't you say though? I mean, I know we talked about it after you did that too. Didn't you say it didn't quite hold up or something like that? Oh or? no. Yeah. Not, not so much. <laughs> but, Shocker. Still better than fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cronenberg. Crazy old Cronenberg. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy crone. So, I don't think we'll have to ever do a Cronenberg retro, because I think we just pretty much did it. (laughs) Yeah. 
I know we skipped a lot, but yeah. Do you know another? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, Dead Zone. Anyone? Do we want to touch on that? I think that's. I was it's just good. Gonna, been forever. Really I was just, yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna um, openly admit here, Dead Zone. I had never seen. Whoa. Yeah. Really? Neither. Yeah. Me neither. What? <laughs> I it's, said. It's, I said me neither. <laughs> it's fucking it's Cronenberg it's Stephen King and Christopher Walken how's I know how have we not watched this guy <laughs> exactly why haven't I ever watched it but it just it just never happened oh I probably own it I commentary <laughs> I'd have to watch it first before I can give it to a commentary cause I'd just sit there and be watching it and never say anything like, this is so good how come I've never seen this? That's all I'd ever that's say. All, that's all. That's all it'd be for an hour and a half. This is amazing. I'd probably throw in a few bad walking impressions, and then that'd be all my contribution. Capital oh, bad. Yes. Smoothie needs more cowbell. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's probably. That's all else I have to say about Cronenberg. Yeah. All right then. Um, what about? Uh, oh, I just need to know. I need to know what <laughs> what movies um, Terry yeah. watched to prepare for this episode. Well, um, I watched Prom Night One and Two. Uh, and I revisited Black Christmas. Woo-hoo. We might as well do it. Black Christmas. <laughs> That's the best one on this list. Oh, oh by favorite. far. It's my favorite on this list. What? I just okay. bought a Black Christmas t-shirt over the weekend, too. Yeah, that is that the one you were wearing in some of the pictures? Yep. yep. God damn, I want that shirt. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> oh, dude, there was this vendor. You would have just, like... You would have to hitchhike home. You would have blown all your money. I'm telling you. I also got this sweet demons hoodie. Nice. Yeah, it says demons across the front in the in the whole font, and then it's got a, it's got some pictures from the movie on the back. Oh, it's so sweet. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when I you know don't go to Crypticon. Yep, that's what happens. So, <laughs> um, Black Christmas. The true start of the slasher genre, they say. <laughs> Proto slasher. <laughs> Directed by Bob Clark. Now I have a weird love for Bob Clark films, but it's it's just a selection of his filmography that I am overly fascinated with, and it's like the the seventies and early eighties stuff. Um, in particular, like I, I'm a huge huge fan of Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things. Um, uh, Death Dream, I love a lot. That's Obviously, an excellent one. Yeah, Black Christmas. Um, I even I'm a huge fan of Murder by Decree, his Sherlock Holmes movie, um, and all, all the way into Porky's and A Christmas Story. But then, like his filmography, really kind of goes to shit after that, in my opinion. Um, like the man has made so many movies that I fucking love, but then also turn around. And made some movies that I absolutely hate, you know, like uh, uh, Couch Trip and um, 
the baby geniuses movies for crying out loud uh <laughs> rhinestone although rhinestone might be kind of one that kind of circles back around and it's so bad it's good kind of category but yeah so it's just weird because being such a fan of his earlier stuff and it goes off the rails from there but black christmas um it's really, you know, I, I don't. I look at the significance of Black Christmas as being the movie that's that really started the the whole um, the phone calls coming from the house thing. And the perspective of the killer. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that, that. that really kind of started with Italian Giallo, but I really True. think I really think nobody did it better in America than Bob Clark in Black Christmas. Yeah, and it those, to, then it took off, you know, with slashers. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like your early Friday Thirteenth films, a lot of those are uh, a lot of those like Jason moments. If you go back and watch like, like part two, like part two, for example, you don't see Jason very much at all because it's all POV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really, you know, just because those moments in Black Christmas are absolutely creepy and terrifying. You know, a lot of times they do those those where it. Um, um, those POV shots to kind of put you in the perspective of the killer, blah, 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 blah. But Bob Clark uses it in such a way where it really does the old Hitchcockian, like, creating creating the suspense, creating the tension, because you are seeing through the eyes of the killer, and you're seeing, you know, people around the environment that are totally oblivious that this killer is roaming around this house. And... And it's that whole that whole building the suspense where like you as the audience know that he's there, and the characters that you're trying that you're following and, and hoping to survive have no idea that that killer's there that the, that the terror is there. So it's just amazing, amazing stuff. And the, the the phone calls are some of the creepiest get under your skin moments. Um, For sure, which really. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, revisiting it, I guess it had been a really long time since I'd seen the original. I remember watching the remake uh, several years ago, but man, it was so much creepier than I recalled it being when I yeah. watched it this time. Yeah, the phone calls were like the worst part for me. Because that just takes me back to, like, creepers that I'd get calls from, like, working in retail or working at the library. What? It doesn't, hap- it doesn't happen as much at the library, but, like, the, when I worked at Family Video, always get late-night creeper calls. Yeah. Not oh, quite wow. that creepy, but... Jesus. Really? Nasty. Yeah, that's... that That's... Yeah. That's pretty bad, because it's so... Again, like... It's so... It, I don't know how to describe it. It's so unhuman-like in some of those some of those noises that's going on. Pig squeals and, and all kinds of other stuff. Well, yeah, and I looked it up because I was curious as to who was doing the, uh, the phone calls. And apparently a lot of them were done by the, the director. By Bob and so, Bob Clark himself? Yeah. yeah. Like him and one other guy did, did the phone calls, I guess. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Wow, you just schooled me. 
I'm gonna write that down. We're done here. Oh, <laughs> you still love talking about Black Christmas. <laughs> the cast is awesome. You got Olivia Hussey, who was super hot back in those days. Um, Dream girl. Yeah. That's oh, hot. Yeah. There. That's oh, yeah. hot. She's she is super cute in this movie, and she's your kind of the final girl, the lead girl of this whole thing. And there's so many great red herrings throughout the film too. Which mm-hmm. kind of leads into leads into the twist ending that I will not spoil. Um, it's a great, oh, such a good ending though. Oh yeah, oh so it's so perfect, so perfect. Yeah. Uh, Kier Dulay is in this movie. Margot Kidder, John Saxon, woo! Um, <laughs> always, always awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Andrea Martin, who I guess. She was in the remake too. Now, yeah, she played the house mother or something. It's been a long time since I've uh, seen. That. Is she's not playing the same character? Is she like all grown up and now being the no? House I don't think so. I think she just okay. No, so, I. I'd never seen it, so. It's I've seen it once, like after it came out on DVD. Okay. Um. Yeah. So really awesome. Really great cast. Uh, what's also great about it, and why I, I really enjoy all of Bob Clark's films, um, or I guess I should say all of Bob Clark's horror films from the seventies, was his use of comedy in in the in the films. Like this is to me one of the creepiest horror movies ever made, and but yet it still has a lot of comedy in it as well. Like when Olivia Hussey's drunk and. And, or uh, some of the best comedy I think comes out of the one dumb ass deputy. Um, oh, <laughs> Felicio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and then like some of the stuff like when the um, when the house mother is giving the one dad a tour, and it's it's <laughs> and it's almost hard to laugh at because you know. This poor guy is trying to find his daughter, and you know his daughter is dead in the attic of the same house that he's in. And yet this dead mother is given the tour and has to put, and places places her hand on the poster of the naked naked people on the on the love poster, you know. And it's like, <laughs> it's it's you know all these like little whimsical moments with the father, um having to react to things that he's seeing where his daughter lives. But at the same time, you're just like, this poor guy's daughter's dead. And no one can find her. And she's in the damn house. Yep. I love the the house mother. She yeah, cracked she me up. <laughs> had a boot bottle hidden everywhere in the house. Yeah. Definitely an alcoholic. She's got them all hidden and she knows all of her hiding places. <laughs> So good, and I also, I guess, I would love to know how they did the effect of the girl getting strangled by the plastic, and just all those shots of her dead body in the rocking chair with that plastic on her face, because the plastic is sucked into her mouth, and I'm just the whole time I'm the whole time I think like, is she really having to sit there and do these shots with plastic? With plastic wrapped around her head like that? That has to be some kind of special effect or something, right? 
bolt well, they never, somewhere? I mean, they never really focus on her face for an extended period, though, if you think about it. Like, I imagine it was just her holding her breath for as long as she could with that over her face while they could get the shot. And then... Yeah, but you know how films go. How many multiple takes did, you know, did they have to do? And yeah, You well, know what I mean? It probably sucked a lot. Probably, I, yeah. I, I don't... I don't. I didn't see any holes in the bag, and I don't know. I mean, if you don't have a hole right there by the nose or by the mouth, then it's not going to be very effective. So. And then the final shot. That's a long shot, though. Oh, like panning away from the. Yeah, with her in the chair, panning away from the attic window. Well, and maybe they just had like a dummy. For the not close-ups or something. Maybe that's why I'm. I just yeah. I'm just curious if they actually and if they did have a dummy head, even though it's not clearly defined, it still looks really good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Creepy. <laughs> Although it makes me like when I was that, uh, you know, when they kind of pan away, like I wondered how no one had noticed that head up in that attic window like how did a neighbor not see that and wonder why there was someone sitting up in the attic for days on end like you'd think and i mean i know that they were using like kind of a candlelight flicker as like a the lighting for up there and maybe it wasn't supposed to like actually be lit up but it, it kind of was like it looked lit up um like maybe the killer had some sort of something up there but I mean, come on. Really? No one, no one's going to pay attention to that? People in Canada don't look up. <laughs> dogs That's and true. Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dog, yeah, dogs and Canadians don't look up. <laughs> and Batman. Michael Keaton Batman. <laughs> and, and Michael Keaton Batman. <laughs> oh, and I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, Black Christmas is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, and no other horror film that takes place in Christmas has ever had the ability to take Christmas carols and make them creepy like Black Christmas does. Really? I just Yeah, there's some of those moments that I find... I just find that the Christmas caroling just really adds to the tone... Of, of the film. And then there's this always throughout a lot of the scenes in this movie where there's this like this low hum in the soundtrack throughout, throughout yeah. the film. Yeah. Well, no, and I completely agree. I just feel like that's a, kind of a common theme in Christmas horror movies. Or maybe I'm just thinking that Christmas carols are kind of creepy in that film setting. Like it just adds to the, the tension a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of a lot of Christmas horror movies use, um, you know, Christmas songs and. But I really think Black Christmas did it the best, though. Is yeah. My point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I haven't I haven't seen this movie in a while, but isn't there like a scene, like at the end, where they like intercut the Christmas carolers with like the the killing? Yep. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. when um, Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder gets stabbed with the glass unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great because that explains why no one was hearing her being stabbed to death 
You know, this right. whole this whole movie and all the killings take place in the same house where everybody, all these all these uh, sorority girls are living, and people are in and out of this house throughout the whole movie while things are going down. So there there has to be some rational ex- explaining why you know nobody is screaming or or what's covering well, the screaming. So. Well, and you know, most of them weren't even there because so many of them had gone home for the holidays. So that's why it's sort of. Well, yeah, that's true too. Four girls that are left, and they're kind of out and about a lot of the time. So yeah, because at that point it was—I think it was just Margot Kidder and Olivia Hussey at home, if I remember right. Right. Because um, everyone else was out, was either gone or they were out searching for the missing girl. Yeah. Yeah. Such good. Is, is there what? anybody... Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to comment on the uh, phone searching, like the phone taps. I yeah. thought that was just kind of... I mean, in the time, it, I, I don't know. It's just kind of cool to see, you know, now you can just do this digital search when you tap someone's phone line. But back then, and they actually show the guy at the phone company, like he's running around this huge, like, server room with all of these these mm-hmm. phone lines trying to track down where the phone call is coming from like physically having to run around it was kind of hilarious I'm yeah like, well oh, kind of neat just... too you never get to see that before yeah yeah i know i don't think i've ever seen that in any other movie before it was kind of kind of neat absolutely anybody on this show have never seen this movie before i've never seen it i think you'd really like it dustin i really do um yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's slow-paced, but, like, it's not, like, just a straight-up, you know, Friday 13th sequel or whatever, where it's just, like, set them up and knock them down. So things things do take their time, but mm-hmm. I think still think there's enough entertainment, and that's where you get a lot of a lot of some comic relief moments, too. There's a lot of entertaining moments um, to kind of fill fill in those, fill in that time. And you get a lot of like great exposition to kind of, you know, during certain moments to kind of um, uh, give you all those red herrings. Mm-hmm. You know, should so. I watch it during Christmas time? It's a Christmas fave of mine during the holidays for sure. I, well, I watch it just because it's Wednesday. Like I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's definitely. Yeah. I, I don't know if maybe not so much a Christmas holiday classic but well uh, i don't like list i don't like watching like movies uh that have a lot of christmas music in it when it's not christmas it just feels wrong i guess i'm just weird like that well there's really there's not a lot i okay. mean there are carolers at one point but other than that i don't feel like there was a ton of no. overt Christ- christmas music and there's not like a bunch of santas running around or anything like there's like some christmas tree lights really overall it didn't feel like a super super christmas movie okay i mean it sets up the plot where most of them are gone for the holidays which is an important plot device but yeah not overly christmas it didn't bother me at all because i'm i'm kind of the same way like i don't want to see a bunch of christmas stuff because i'm not a big christmas fan but uh i i really enjoyed i yeah rewatching it today i didn't think it was slow either it didn't the pacing didn't bother me at all. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I don't, I don't think so either. I think, yeah, it's paced very well. But you know, if you just want to compare it to 
the slasher genre. It's, it's sure. Not, it's not like yeah. there's a ton of kill. I mean, what? There's only like what three kills? Four kills? Three, or, three or four. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it just builds up a lot of great tension. and For sure. Yeah. It's definitely one not necessarily you have to watch during Christmas, but it's a good one to watch when it is getting cold out and when the snow falls, because you really get a sense for the cold in the movie. Sure. You know? Especially those scenes when they're out looking for the missing girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good movie. So awesome. Love it. Sam, you've been quiet. You've seen Black Christmas? I have, not in a few years, but uh Yeah. It's it's cool, you know. I can't say I love it as much as as you seem to, but it was fun. I might have to revisit it around Christmas time, but you know, it, it's cool to see as you say all the kind of those the slasher conventions which are now so cliched kind of in this movie for the first time and I definitely like the comic elements, you know, the, the the old lady, as you said, and she's like hiding the booze. Doesn't she like hide the booze in like the fucking toilet? Yeah. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this one, I mean, it's it's on YouTube full length for free. It's not. I mean, you know, YouTube's never going to be the greatest quality on the planet, but it's easy access for sure. Sure. Um. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. Must see. Yeah. And that's one of the things I really like about Bob Clark, again, going back to it, his use of comedy in in his in those earlier films. Um just cause like the comedy again, it does it's it's not like slapsticky comedy or whatever. It's it's more it's more human situational comedy, which is great. I mean you if you go back to like say children shouldn't play with dead things, that movie is a comedy for the first for the first 75% of the movie before the zombies even show up. It's just it's just it's just all comedy and and it gets rather dark, you know, <laughs> with the with the comedy, but uh but it's 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 all human silliness and you know, but then when the zombies come and and you know, and then it gets real, but oh Children play dead things is good. I wish that was made in Canada and not Florida, so we could talk about that. <laughs> cool. So Black Christmas. Check it out. Has anybody seen The Tall Man? Mm-hmm. Am I the only one? Probably. No, but Probably. every time you talk about it, it kind of makes me want to watch it more. You really should check it out. Um, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Uh, I would love for one. I would love to be able to talk to somebody about this movie, who is who has seen it. But um, it's it's just got a really neat. Again, it's got a little neat twist where it kind of changes the tone of the movie with the twist. Um, I'll set it up by saying that this is directed by the guy who directed Martyrs. So, wow. So oh, I, I need to see this. <laughs> I went into this movie rather nervous. Uh, <laughs> why? I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, considering Modders is at the top of the list of movies that I think is awesome, but I will never watch again. 
Is I watched it? it twice in one day. What's wrong with me? Oh my god, there is something wrong with you. That movie just... <laughs> what? That movie... Yeah. That movie disturbed me to my core for, like, I was... I was emotionally affected for over a week by that movie. It's true, man. <laughs> it messed him up. It messed me up bad. And I and I've had I've had those moments where I'm like I kind of want to check it out again, but I'm scared. <laughs> I'm too, too terrified to make the commitment. So it's directed by him. So it's done it's done really well, shot really well. Um I like the storyline basically uh and it and it's it's interesting too because you know think about martyrs right and then the move this movie the tall man it stars um, it stars Jessica Biel mm-hmm. so yeah so um, but basically when her uh, I'm just gonna do the IMDb synapses here when her child goes missing a mother looks to unravel the legend of the tall man an entity who allegedly abducts children so there's that theme through this whole movie and so again then that that is another thing that made me nervous like okay this is the guy who made martyrs and now he's doing a movie about children getting abducted no <laughs> no but i i went ahead and did it and um it it's 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 really really good, and definitely not what you expect. Um, it totally caught me off guard, um, and not or, and not in a disturbing way like Martyrs did. Um, but it it definitely also makes you think a lot like Martyrs does. But um, definitely not as uh, <laughs> in uh, quite the way Martyrs did to me. So, but yeah, so it's pretty cool. It's got that whole like there's a a legend in the town about the tall man and how he. He, he'll take your children, and and does that whole um, where it appears to be a supernatural element, but it turns out to be something something way different. And uh, it's got a very interesting message, and will definitely leave you kind of questioning things at the end. So I liked it. Check it out, man. I was very torn about that movie. Oh, you've seen it. Yeah, I did. I, I forgot oh, that to yay. mention that. I, I actually had forgotten that I watched it. <laughs> I could talk to somebody about this movie. So we're, what do you mean then? Um, I don't know. Like, I thought there were definitely some some good twists in it, like, that were unexpected and caught me off guard, like you said. But yeah, I almost feel like there was one too many turns in the story. I'm trying to even remember. Like, I watched this last week and I've forgotten half of it, but... Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of forgettable for me. Oh, okay. Okay. One too many turns. I mean, I can see what you're saying because it does. There is a lot of turns in it. Yeah. Um, well, there are like two like major ones. Oh yeah, yeah. And which, which literally changed the tone of the movie. But then again, Martyrs yeah. does the exact same thing. Oh uh, well, I haven't. I've never seen Martyrs. And, and I think it does it more in Martyrs. Like I feel like. The tone of that movie changes like five times. Huh. Well, and I thought that the first big turn in this movie was amazing. I was like, holy shit, I never, ever saw that coming. I was completely taken aback and didn't know what to do. I'm like, what? Like, this is an entirely different movie now. Like, what am I watching? Yeah, yeah. Um, But... I don't know. It kind of lost it for me toward the end. 
and got a little like there were some parts of it that were a little muddled but um and i just i guess i just didn't like how it made me feel at the end either like i mean it's good that it's invoking these emotions but at the same time mm-hmm. like fuck this guy i don't i don't want these feelings like <laughs> um, okay Definitely do not see martyrs. <laughs> no, everything, no, no, see martyrs. Everything you're complaining about is uh, is martyrs ten thousand percent more than. Uh, okay. I kind of want to watch martyrs tomorrow now. Oh my god! Good luck to it's you. Been a while. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, hide I also, all hide all the razor blades in your ass. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan, like at least until like they they did some turning to kind of explain things more. And maybe it fits better in that regard, but I kind of wasn't a huge fan of a lot of the acting at the beginning of this movie. Oh, really? Like, it seemed kind of meh. Like, Jessica Biel was really annoying to me. But then, <laughs> I guess, maybe after the turn, if I look back, maybe she was annoying because yeah. nothing was as it seemed. <laughs> and, eh. well, I also liked it for the fact, and especially Jessica Biel's performance, because... I was on such an emotional roller coaster ride with that character. Like you liked yeah. her, you you sympathized for her, then you hated her, then you really sympathized for her, and then you didn't really know what to think. There really by the end, right? Like, is she a good guy or is she a bad guy? I don't know. It's true. <laughs> it's yeah. really a, your opinion on on what she's done. Yeah. Yeah, the scenes where she's chasing after the quote unquote tall man, like. She had me at that point. Like I was with her all the way at that point. I was oh, and like, that was oh, I forgot about that. That's a great moment too. Where yeah, that like, whole scene where she's just chasing him and the kid and all that. I was like, holy! It was intense. Like mm-hmm. that. That was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Like she is not giving up. She is tracking this fucker down. Like yep. <laughs> that was awesome for sure. That was awesome. Oh yeah, I forgot about that scene. And that was one of those great moments too. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like high tension, and just yeah. the fact that just a you know just the but with high tension, I was just like, oh, let the bitch go, you know, <laughs> quit chasing this guy down, let her go. Yeah, but you know, this is a mother, this is a mother and child sort of a bond, and you can exactly. just see that in her eyes, like she will she will not stop at anything. Exactly. So you're kind of nervous for her, but you're just like you're you're cheering for her to keep going. Yeah. No, it got super intense. Mm-hmm. And this one might be one that I might enjoy more upon a second watch. You know, now that I know the twists and turns, maybe it'll translate better to me. I'm not sure. Maybe it would be interesting. I I should give it a second look as well. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so did that convince anybody to want to watch Tommy? I'll give it a shot. It's inter- Yeah, it's worth a shot, you know. Is it still on Netflix? It is, yeah. Is it really? Okay. Yep. Well, that makes it I'll even easier it. to watch then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I don't have to do too much work yeah. on my end. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if I can accidentally click it and it plays for yeah. me then I don't have to get it up works. Yeah. <laughs> it's not one of the first thing that it suggests on, on what to watch so I don't know yeah. 
I'd actually have to scroll. <laughs> what else did you watch, Terry, to prepare for this episode? I think that's it. I, I thought think... it was just a three, but then I forgot about that one. So I did four. Hooray! I <laughs> I think one of my new favorite things about doing this show is the the, the discovery of some of these films for Terry. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes out of my own devilish amusement, aka don't look in the basement. Don't look in the basement. Fuck you. <laughs> but then other times we just get to really see something kick ass that I also really enjoy. So. <clears throat> <sighs> don't watch that movie. I don't remember if you guys were all on that episode, but don't do it. Dear God. We even inserted the toilet flush noise there just I, because of the... I tried to mute it. I never hear it till it's halfway down here. Yeah, no, it's alright. It's alright. I, I was trying to... I hear like, you guys giggle before I hear it coming. <laughs> I, I was trying to write it off like it was intentional this time. Don't look at the basement. Flush. <laughs> okay. Uh, John, can and in the films? Well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna deviate a little bit because I mean you know we've already talked from about Canada? Black Christmas from Canada, eh? um, <laughs> and I and I really like Pontypool and stuff like that. But I was yeah. thinking about this the other day. One of the huge things that got me into horror movies in general was uh, the TV show Are You Afraid of the Dark. There was yeah. And it turns out it was Canadian produced. Oh, nice. So I started rewatching some episodes, and there are some episodes that uh, are really dark. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't remember a lot of them, but one that I'd watched, well, this is actually a few years ago, but it was one of my favorites. It always stuck out with me because it was it involved a pinball machine and just a really depressing ending. Oh, man, I just rewatched that not too long ago. That it's, episode. I'm trying to remember right where he... He what gets a job at this guy's repair shop at a mall or whatever, and there's a pinball machine in the back, and he's like, "Don't ever touch that." So the kid's like, "Well, duh, of course I'm gonna touch it," and he does. Gets sucked in, and he's gotta save the girl and whatnot. But when he does, like towards the end of the episode, the, like the whole thing starts over, like it's a game. And I kind of remember the guy like standing over the machine, like, "Haha, dipshit." It's kind of yeah. a, that's basically that, that was kind of the the attitude that he had but I I mean I saw that when it first aired as a small child well smallish and I was just like that didn't end well like that is not a happy ending yeah it's like kind it of it was so dark kind of a fate worse than death it's like very like cosmic type shit like he's yeah. basically doomed for all eternity to you play will always be in this fucking game video game in this shitty mall. <laughs> but it, it was episodes like that that just totally drew me into horror. I mean, I just always liked the darker stuff. But, I mean, they had some episodes that I'm trying to remember that were, you know, ended a little bit happier. I remember there was something with a, a girl moved into a house with her mom, and the house next door was kind of empty for some reason, and a little girl was, like, on the other side of the, you know... I don't know yeah. what you want to say. Like, in the other world or whatever. And she was, like, writing on the wall, but everything was backwards or something. And the girl helped her find her mom. I, 
Yeah, I, right. I can't quite remember it all, but I mean, there it was a creepy episode, but it ended, you know, on a happy note. Yeah, but yeah, that pinball episode just, and I know there are some other dark ones, but I I can't recall them right now. Almost yeah. every one of those shows end in some kind of twist that is not in favor of the protagonist at all. I mean, mm-hmm. almost and 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 Goosebumps, which is also Canadian. Yeah. as well it's the exact same way there are hardly ever a happy ending in those uh but afraid of the dark i know a real good one is uh fear soup i think it's what it's called actually that, that one has dev campbell in it and it's where they put these people in a room and they tie them to a chair and they scare the shit out of them and they take the the fear essence and add it to their food their soup and what? The pe- people can't get enough of the the soup so they have to keep scaring more and more people and they I find out what their fears one. are. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty Holy decent crap. for, uh, for you know obviously for a kids show, but yeah. I I remember it being pretty good, and I I, I do not remember how it ends, but you, you would always find those occasional in both shows, Goosebumps and Are Are You For The Dark, that have just like, uh, the, the like they just really ran with it and they made them really fucking good, and it's it's you forget that you're watching a kids show sometimes. Mm-hmm. Those yeah, are few could, and far between. Yeah. But they are there. Yeah, a lot of those episodes on both shows are very hit or miss. But yeah, some of them are like very dark and like very not what you would have today on like a kids show. <laughs> exactly. Like, like uh, the Haunted Mask, the Goosebumps episode. That is like so fucking dark. <laughs> if you go back and rewatch that. Yeah. Um, another great one on Are You Afraid of the Dark is Zebo the Clown. Oh, yeah. God, that's like that's... one of the first episodes, isn't it? Yeah, the first season, I think. Yeah. Very oh, creepy. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember the, the kid goes home from the uh, amusement park, and he's, like, in the kitchen, and then, like, the smoke is coming up from under the door or something like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah they, they, like, basically go to this, like, carnival, and uh, they steal this dead clown's nose, <sighs> and he's, like, trying to get it back, and... uh yeah, very creepy. And like, you know, I know you're thinking Nickelodeon, it's kid shit, but go back it and was... rewatch some of these episodes. They they're I mean, they're way scarier than anything coming out today and like Canadians are modern up. horror cinema. <laughs> sure. Uh, did you yeah, guys they... ever see the phone police on Are You Afraid of the Dark? Where the, the yeah. kids were doing prank phone calls. That hit me hard because I at the time of, I was I all about prank one. phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> That was you? <laughs> yeah. Well, they had a special police for the kids who did prank phone calls, and they locked them up in jail. I'm like, oh, God, please don't let this be for real. Right, right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was, uh, I attended, like, this panel this weekend, and we we're kind of talking about, you know, when does horror work best? Is it better in short form or, like, long form, you know, TV series and I think I think there is something, and we kind of concluded it. There's something about like the short form, especially like half hour television, that's okay. really kind of well suited for horror. And it yeah. Well, that's why like Tales from the Crypt did so well. Yeah, yeah. short and to about, the point yeah. episodes. Just like that twenty to thirty minute time frame, it really allows for I think some some really good horror. Anyway, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, for I don't know why. Something about the nineties, like everything was like Canadian for some reason. 
Nickelodeon and all their actors and crew to Canada. 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 It is now Canada. I think because I think that's really when it exploded when people realized, oh, it's cheaper to film in Canada than it is in the United States. It's kind of ironic because isn't like everything else like wicked expensive in Canada? Like I like exchange rates. I don't know. Or like yeah, like beer's expensive. That's that's about all I know. Well, that was a nice. That was a nice segue. I enjoyed listening to that. I didn't have anything to input on it, but that was pretty cool. Yeah, those Kia Cut kids are really into <laughs> Canadian television. They need to come out with a really good Blu-ray set of both of those. Just complete the complete series. Oh, that would be awesome. We could just all sit down and watch them together, and you guys would be like, "Okay, yeah, I, I think I get it now." <laughs> Speaking about Canada, did. <laughs> Did uh did Degrassi ever do like a horror episode? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they all? Uh, no. Oh, well, you know what? I've, I've only seen it up to so many <laughs> seasons. So, not that I know of. Damn. Oh my god! The annual Degrassi Halloween episode. Woo! <laughs> I don't even think they celebrate Halloween in that in that show. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say Canada. You <laughs> Scared the shit out of him. Like, great, now where am I going to go? <laughs> when shit goes down. Yeah. Oh, man. Huh? What? Huh? Huh? What? Where? What? <laughs> so the burning, that was made in Canada. It was? What? Yeah, Probably. Had to have been, right? I think it was. It kind of felt like there was a lot of those early slashers that were made in Canada. Like, you know, we already talked about Prom Night. Happy Birthday to Me was made in Canada. The Burning, uh, the most famous Canadian horror production slasher film, uh, My Bloody Valentine. Telling you, uh, (laughs) you wanted to say Canadians. Uh, They're fucked up up there. That they like their horror, they like killing things. They're Young, so repressed. Teenagers. They'll apologize after politeness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I killed you oh, there. Sorry. Hey, let me get my axe back. Oh, I just I'll sliced your, your head off. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, I need to look up stats. How many Canadians listen to this show? I'm so sorry. I was gonna say uh, we just lost our, Cana- uh, our Canadian. Uh, I'll Canu- lost all audience. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and they're back. And they're back. He apologized. Such a nice fellow. But jeez, oh, the burning is up there is one of my favorite eighty slashers that is not Friday Thirteenth, and uh, it's a classic. It is. You know, Tom Savini on the special effects. Um, did young some great... Fisher Stevens. Oh yeah, Young Fisher Stevens. Well, <laughs> not playing. Um, uh, a very racist uh, Indian stereotype character. <laughs> Don't forget uh, George Costanza. Yep, you got yeah. uh, Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Thank God she uh, doesn't talk much in that movie. I can't stand her voice. Uh, but you also got the guy, and I can never remember his name, but he was also in. Um, um, what's that? What? Nobody said anything. 
you hearing voices again? <laughs> Jesus. What? <laughs> um, Are you like out of sync? Hold on, eh? Let me find the guy. Because I can't remember his name, and right now I can't even remember what other movies he's been in. Um, you also so can't remember to wait for people to talk before you hear them. What? <laughs> See? Uh. Oh, there's a. Oh, I forgot about this guy too. The 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 nerdy guy, <laughs> the kind of the creepy nerdy guy that's always checking out the girls and stuff, who ends up being like one of the final survivors. Spoiler alert. Um, Brian um, Backer is his name. Oh. Um, he he was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was the guy that was, um, he was like Styles, Styles' best friend, if you remember who's the Styles character. Best has uh, Ridgemont High, guys, come on. Yeah. I am totally he's, blanking. He's, he's the guy at the end of the movie that survives. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, he's the guy. Oh, yeah, like, duh! Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I had to look him up. Yeah, the, the nerd guy. Oh, I forgot uh. my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um... Another another guy that I recognize from other early '80s stuff, um, whose name is the original guy I was trying to think of, uh, Ned Eisenberg. Who I'm trying to find the films that I know him from. That maybe you guys might know too. I know he was in. What's that? I, re I think I recognize. It. I mean, other than the burning, but I can't. Well, him and and the other guy that I forgot his name of that I just mentioned was in one of my one of my favorite really bad eighties Terminator. Oh, eighties <laughs> comedies. Never mind. Eighties eighties moving violations. Never seen it. With the other other Murray brother. The other other other. <laughs> yeah, not not Brian Doyle, not um, the one that uh, they used to be on uh, Greg and Dharma. Um, John Murray. John Murray. I didn't um, even know there was another one. Yeah. Who I think John Murray's only credits are Moving Violations and um, and I think uh, Scrooge, because I think he had his whole damn family in Scrooge. Yeah, because that's an awesome movie. Yeah. Uh, so Moving Violations is awesome. Um, anyway, I digress. So talking, we're supposed to be talking about Bernie. So it has a pretty cool cast. Um, again, great special effects. Um, a great use of the whole summer camp slasher type scenario. Uh, I think it's one of the few slashers that take place at the summer camp that actually has children at the summer camp. You know, between that and Sleepaway Camp are really about the only two. I just I I love it. It's a really good movie. Anybody? Yeah, I, I like it. I haven't seen it in a while. It's kind of uh, I can say it was kind of forgettable, but <laughs> not that it's a bad movie. The finger cutting scene. Oh yeah, finger cutting. Well, that whole rat. Yeah, the whole rat slaughter scene. Yeah. Yeah. because yeah, it's it's such a big lead up. Or build up to that point because they're getting so much closer and closer and closer, and then it's just like all out mayhem. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. nowhere to go. Sorry, really. Fisher Stevens, you're never gonna masturbate again. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't stop me. So, uh. <laughs> um, and then the cropsy makeup I thought looked really cool. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. Uh, interesting yeah. fact. Um, since we don't seem to have a whole lot of input here, I go straight to trivia on IMDb. <laughs> uh, um, Tom Savini turned down Friday Thirteenth Part Two to work on The Burning. Mm. So that's interesting. And the world is better for it. Uh, let's see. These are some really bad trivia. It is produced by the Weinsteins. It was like their first foray into into film. Really? Yeah. Um. There's body count of ten. See, this is horrible, horrible trivia. <laughs> I'm done. So yeah. I, I just I I just love the burning. I think it's it's one of the better slashers to come out of the early eighties. The score is great. Yeah. I do like the score, yeah. 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 What else? What else guys? It's like a billion films made in Canada. A billion. Really? A billion? billion are there are there any movies that actually like take place in canada or like kind of use that as a well, uh, well pony pool like takes place in canada but i mean they don't really use it all that much yeah ponty pool well yeah you never really see the town and yeah it's all in the um basement. yeah but and you know but uh the fact that it takes place in canada adds to to the whole thing because of the you know the coldness it's a, this small little remote town so the isolation of everything and so so yeah uh, and Ponty Pool is awesome I love that movie oh yeah so cool we've all it seen was, it right mm-hmm. yes it was just a nice nice fresh take on I guess a pseudo zombie movie mm-hmm. the way it works out but yeah I mean I hadn't seen anything quite like it. And it, I, I can watch it numerous times. I mean, Stephen McCaddy, as the, I'm trying to remember his name in the movie, but as the DJ, I mean, he's yeah. got a great voice for it. I mean, mm-hmm. he's very believable as just kind of a shock jock, but not really. Yeah, a washed up shock jock. Yeah, a washed yeah. up washed up one. But uh, he, he's actually going to be at Horror Hound this year, and he's one of the reasons. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, I'm super excited to meet him just because of Pontypool. And a few other movies, but yeah, it's well the ending, the black and white ending. Yeah. Somebody want to explain that? No. Because <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I think they just had extra film, maybe. They're like, hey, let's uh, piss off the Americans and do something really weird. <laughs> yeah, and then the costume lady had like, I bought these word these outfits. I don't know what to do with them. Ah, we'll just shoot a scene. Yeah. 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 That. Yeah. The ending. I. I. To this day, I still don't get it either. But uh, or the final little scene, whatever. But yeah. But other than that, I just love. Yeah, I love the concept of the, of words being the trigger for this virus. And um, my favorite thing is I just love. I love isolation movies that take place with small casts and all the tension in that in those environments and stuff. And this movie, really, you never leave the two main characters. So you're not really getting a full scope of the threat outside. 
which I find incredibly terrifying because you don't know exactly what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. And you're hearing things and you're seeing some things that lead you to believe to uh, certain things. But And then like just all those, like, tra uh, um, the, the quote-unquote traffic reports. Yeah. Um, given the play-by-play -play of what's going on outside, and and that's all you're really getting for what's happening outside is this the stuff over the the radio over the phone. So effective, such a did such a great job with the phone. Pontypool. So don't be a fool. Go seek Pontypool. <laughs> I pity the fool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <clears throat> what about um well you talk about movies that take place that take place in Canada. The only one that comes that springs to my mind, and that's probably because it's more recent, but Tusk. Yeah. Tusk. What do you mean, Tusk? <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, did you like I, it? I uh, I had an interesting, kind of a weird, ex a different experience with the film because I actually read the script before it came out. And so when I watched it, I kind of knew what was going on, what uh -huh. was going to happen. So I don't know. It kind of wasn't what I expected. And a, a lot different from the script. Like the whole stuff with Johnny Depp was kind of added in. And, oh uh, really? That character's not in the original script, or they just added a lot more because it's Johnny Depp. Yeah, he's in the script, but they add a lot more. I guess I don't know if they just like let him roll, improvise, or what. But yeah, like that whole section with him, I thought was kind of I don't know. It just kind of slowed the movie down for me. I agree. I completely um, agree. And uh, it was still good. I you know. I like the, the ending and whatnot, but I don't. I mean, what do you guys think? Was it? I loved it. I mean, I agree with with the pacing issues, but it wasn't enough to spoil it for me, to ruin it for me. Um, you know, yes, I would have liked to have seen them go more into turning him into a walrus. The 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 physical the operations and stuff that it would take to convert his body into the walrus, um, you know more of the tortury porn kind of thing. Yes, I would have liked to have seen more of that. Um, yes, the third act gets a little wanky, like uh, it slows down with the Johnny Depp stuff, um, and then kind of goes in fast forward mode. Once they realize, oh shit, we got to somehow get from from meeting Johnny Depp's character to finding Justin Long's character. So like, it really felt like things were sped up and ham-fisted in the whole like uncovering the clues and tracking down. Like, mm -hmm. it, I, it's still I find it comical and still, but still disturbs me the whole scribbling on a piece of notebook paper. To to find the address of the guy's house. I mean, let us. That was, come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. But um. But I still really enjoyed it. Even those moments where, yes, the pacing is out of whack. Um. There's. I'm enjoying those moments. I thought the Johnny Depp stuff was awesome. 
Um, I understand it detracts from the storyline, obviously, but mm-hmm. they're good scenes, and he's good in them, and they're funny moments. Um, and that's the thing, too. The movie changes tone a lot throughout the movie, which is a little unnerving. You know, he kind of starts off pretty dark and serious once, once you know what's going on with, with, with Justin Long there. But then, but then once Johnny Depp shows up, it, it really turns into a comedy at that point. So, yeah, yeah, the way it was written was a lot better. It was a lot tighter. I was like really excited to see it. Um, but then they just, you know, somewhere along the line in the production, they just kind of changed it quite a bit, especially in the third act. Um, also, I can't remember. You know, another thing I really like about this movie is that. It kind of it seems like one of the first movies to really incorporate podcasting, which we're yeah. doing right now as like a yeah. major uh, plot point. I mean, when you think about it, it's really kind of a pretty outrageous character arc that uh, Justin Long has. He goes from like this podcaster to a man walrus. That's kind of like an insane <laughs> character arc. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I was gonna say, I can't remember. Don't they kind of? Uh, I think they change what like the the reason he originally goes to Canada. They're like you know obviously trying to do a podcast, but I think the the actual subject matter kind of changes between the script and the and the movie. Oh yeah, because in the script, I think he's going to like you know interview these swingers and like maybe like fuck some random girl mm. and I, I can't I can't remember what they do in the film though is it, do you remember what the initial reason is for them going to Canada there was, was a there? YouTube there was a YouTube video where a kid gets his own leg off of a samurai sword okay and, yeah that's it and he went there to interview him but when he gets there the kid had committed suicide right right yeah like in the script it was gonna be like these swingers and it was gonna be like this you know, and that's kind of where like the the tension between him and his girlfriend comes from because, you know, she doesn't want him going there. But I don't know, man. That's was... another thing I didn't care for too much. Is like, as the film progresses, and you're seeing Justin Long dealing with his situation, but when you jump back to the other two, you really learn more and more about Justin Long's character and how much of a jerk he is. So. Mm-hmm. So it's like cutting back and forth to be like not liking this guy as much and then cutting back to him in the situation where you just stop caring as much because you realize he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Right, right. But I love the concept. I love, um, you know, just a lot of stuff I love about it. I thought the effects, I thought the walrus suit looked awesome. Um uh, I think Justin Long is always awesome, and um, God dang it, what's his what's his name? Should play every crazy guy in a movie. Um, Michael oh, Parks. Wow. Michael Parks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, he was great. Uh, I do. I like the idea of of them. Um, you know, going through, talking about like what has to be gone through. To turn him into a walrus, you know, um, you know, sewing his legs together or whatever. I don't remember, but you know, it's just all the elements were there. Just, um, just could have been, could have been a little bit stronger. But I, you know, 
the movie I connected with the movie enough that I just I just loved it and enjoyed it. Very happy. Jason, yeah, just very <laughs> dark. Yeah. The idea that he's gonna like, you know, spend the rest the rest of his life as like this fucking animal, basically. It's pretty dark. Pretty dark when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, but kind of funny too because they show up with a fish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They show up with a fish. They're gonna give him a fish. It's like it's this emotional scene. She's crying, and he's acting like a warrus. And they bring him a fish. Uh-uh. And, I mean, what's and he going like, to eat, man? He's, he's a walrus. At this, he's at this hospital. You would think they'd at least get him out of the freaking walrus suit. But he's still in the suit. Is it, but is it supposed to be a suit? Or is that like his... That's like his skin, right? Or he's supposed prob- to be. He's probably physically sewn into it, but it's still a suit. Yeah, it's a walrus suit. Yeah, there's different colors, different shades. Yeah, it's made up of human skin of the other people that Michael Parts tried turning into walruses, but they didn't make it, so he used their skin to make the walrus suit. And there's that one scene where the suit, where he puts um, he puts Justin Long in the water for the first time, and he's trying to pull him back up, and the suit completely buckles almost all the way over Justin Long's head. <laughs> <laughs> which almost makes you think that it was that was a mistake and they just kept it in the film but I think it really kind of it, if it, it does anything it sells the fact that he's wearing a walrus suit and not and that's not his own skin really yeah I'd, I don't know man I think the way it was written it was supposed to be like his own skin but maybe really? it's like more of a Frankenstein creature kind of thing but I mean, where did they get the other bodies, though? The other people he's kidnapped over the years. I mean, it's, if you look at the suit, it's it's got, like, you know, black skin and, and brown skin. I mean, it's... Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, didn't, didn't he have, like, other walruses that he made, though, that, like, died during yeah. the whole test thing? Yeah, because there was one dead under the water. Yeah. Well, that's rather insanitary. Um, well, and I, I, if I remember right, I even think, wasn't there a face on one part of the suit? So a guy's face? Like a face? Like a, like a like nose a, or a... Like a Necronomicon kind of thing? Like. Yeah. Other, uh, I don't know. can't remember. Jason, what do you have to say about Tusk? Uh, I assumed you said the things that you knew I was going to say and talked about them before, but yeah. I, I thought it was fine. I I just, yeah, I thought it happened too fast at the end. I loved the pace of the beginning. I loved the pace of him getting out to the the dude's place and just that whole thing until, you know, he got he passed out. And then after that, the pace and feel of it just changed a lot, and I didn't. Yeah. I love Johnny Depp part. Uh, I just thought the end. She's like, bam, he's in the suit. Or I mean, bam, he's a walrus. Yeah. So that was my only thing. How it felt. <laughs> yeah, it's and kind of a. 
Oh, go ahead. No, please do. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, it's, uh, you know, speaking of Canada, you know, this movie, being a Kevin Smith movie, it seems like, I don't know what it is, but Kevin Smith kind of has this Canadian obsession. I don't know if you guys listen to a Smodcast at all, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> seems like forever they've been on, like, this big Canada kick. I think uh, I think they got another like Canadian horror movie coming out, Moose Jaws. Well, oh, the, yeah. The next one is Yoga Hosers, which okay. t- which is takes place in Canada and actually actually stars um, his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter, the two con- the two girls working at the convenience store in Tusk, and it's literally the same characters. And then Johnny <laughs> Depp comes back as well, reprising his role from Tusk. Oh, really? And then Moose Jaws is the one after that. So it's like a whole Canadian trilogy, I guess. Right. But yeah, if you fucking listen to their podcast, all they talk about is Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he definitely loves Canada. Uh, Any other yeah. thoughts on Tusk? John, what did you think of Tusk? Um, how do I... I, I just... I don't like Kevin Smith movies for the most part, uh-huh. and just and is another one that just didn't do it for me. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, there are parts I like, uh, like uh, Michael Parks or whatever his name is. I like him, mm-hmm. Johnny oh, yeah. Depp's character. Well, that that uh, scene where Johnny Depp—it's like a the flashback where Johnny Depp's talking about how he met this guy for the first time or whatever, and it's Michael Parks. Yeah, with that weird lich thing going on or whatever. That that whole scene did crack me up. It was so weird. Did you but, come to kill the spider? Yeah, <laughs> the whole thing is just weird. He's in me. the shitter. Oh, that part cracked me up. But I just, I didn't really care for the movie as a whole. It and that could be because I just, other than Clerks, and maybe Dogma, really don't care for Kevin Smith movies all that much. I'll probably get a lot of shit for that from my friends because they all are diehard, you know, fans, but just doesn't, he just doesn't trip my trigger. I can, I understand it. I, I really do. I am a Kevin Smith fan. I, I love all of his movies, um, but I can understand not liking them at the same time. So like, I think, I think he totally shot his wad with clerks. I think that's one of the funniest movies ever. <laughs> Like I just don't even know why he tries because he's never gonna top that in my eyes. And that's that's wow, probably you why you set I... him up. All right. Yeah. What do you What do you think of Clerks too? It had its moments, but uh, the relationship with Dante and uh, what's her name not anywhere close to being believable. Their little affair that they had going on or whatever. Oh, it was yeah. Rose. But it does. But I mean, it does have its moments. I mean, uh, was it Kinky Kelly and Sexy Steve or whatever the hell? I don't even remember what the. <laughs> the donkey stuff. The donkey show is The donkey awesome. show was, you know, was funny, but the first clerks just cracks me up every time. Uh, sometimes my my sometimes my I have when I take issue with Kevin Smith is when he um when he doesn't really pay attention to the to all the details. And then a lot of times I think that's just budgetary restraints, but other times I think it's just blatant laziness. Um <laughs> Like the part, the part that always bugs me about Clerks too, is when they go off and they go ride around in go karts, and that's a great little scene. But when they come back, like Rose, Rosie Dawson's, like, 
freaking out. Where have you been? We're so swamped. There's three people in the restaurant. You know, it's supposed to be a big popular fast food franchise. And to them, swamped is like three people. Yeah. I mean, that kind of took me out of it a little bit. Like, just didn't fill that restaurant with bodies, you know? If it's if if that's the case, it's it's a movies that's about ready to go out of business. <laughs> Which that's fine if that's the case, and they just they explain that to us like, yeah, we're this is gonna be the last week. No one comes to this movies probably because so and so, you know, jerks off in the special sauce. I don't know. We're all inept. So it's just it's just you know those are kind of some of the things that bug me about Kevin Smith. Um, but as a whole, I'm a fan. I love his movies. Love Dogma. Love Mallrats. Chasing Amy's one of the best. Zack and Miri's probably my favorite still. That I have not seen yet. Oh, I love that one. I've seen pretty much everything else, but I have not seen that. I haven't seen Red State, which everybody tells me I need you to. I like it. It's definitely different for for him. Um, yeah, for sure. I would definitely check it out. John Goodman's in it, right? Yeah. Yep. I'll watch it at least for that because I love John Goodman. <laughs> I even like Cop Out. Well, <laughs> somebody had to give him five dollars for that movie. <laughs> I have it on Blu-ray. So you gave him ten. <laughs> <laughs> so there. All right. Cool. Um, any other movies anybody wants to talk about when that they want to mention or, or whatever? I don't have any. Nope. Okay. I'm spent. Okay. Uh, just a quick honor, couple couple quick honorable mentions for me. We, we talked, I talked in great length about Bob Clark, so I just want to throw it out there again. Um, like his early stuff is some of my favorites and. And Death Dream and Deranged were both shot in Canada, and I I really love those movies. Death Dream is so it's such an underrated film. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. Yeah, a great great metaphor for the Vietnam experience at the time, and you know a really unique telling of the old monkey's paw story. So definitely check that out. Uh, the Gate, The Gates is, Gates is a great movie as far as, like, you guys were talking about Don't Be Afraid of the Dark and how sometimes it's shocking that it was, like, a kid's show. I kind of feel the same way about The Gates. Like, the, there's nothing in The Gates that you would not feel comfortable showing a child. I mean, everything, there's, it, it's not an it's not rated R. I think it's, I think it is only PG, maybe PG-13. But there's no language, there's no nudity, you know. Um, there's even partying going on, but I don't think there's any drugs or alcohol there. Um, so it's 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 innocent in that regard. There's like no content that children should not see. But it's it's a creepy ass film, and when like, you know, the when when the demons are running around, it's like the 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 situations are extremely serious. It's not like you're not watching this film like, oh, you know, it's just, just fluff and fun. The kids are going to get out of this okay. No, it's 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 pretty dark and twisted and, like, you don't know if the kids are going to get out of this okay. So, 
So it's one of those awesome, like, unique films, horror films, that would be a good intro for children, I think, into yeah. horror. Yeah, I love it, man. And just, it's really got some of the best special effects, like stop motion effects. And Oh, yeah, you're just, right. It, it really does. Like, yeah, it's really impressive stop motion. Yeah, kind of probably like really at the height of that, you know, that whole whole technique. I mean, you know, it wasn't long after that that you know computer animation came into to being, and so I feel like yeah, effects was kind of were kind of at their height at that time, and you know, if nothing else, it's a great film to watch just for that. But also, you yeah. know, it is just a kids' movie, but you know, it also manages to be pretty pretty gory. You know, the the whole part with like the dad having his like face melt and fucking oh man mm -hmm. yeah yeah good movie highly underrated too you don't really hear enough talk about the gate yeah yeah kind of a yeah and like Ernest Scared Stupid is kind of a similar kind of oh tonally film I yeah. love that movie and like a little monster little monsters oh yeah. yeah god that's but I haven't seen that in ages yeah did you know there was a gate too uh, no. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I have a, um, like a video store promotional mobile. It's, it's like the centerpiece says Gate 2, and then, like, hanging down are the little, the little mutant demon creatures that run around. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. I think it must have been, like, a direct DVD kind of swept under the rug kind of thing, because I've. I don't even think I've ever seen a copy of it, let alone seen the movie. So, really, mm. yeah. Cool. Well, that's and those are the honorable mentions I had. So, unless anybody else has anything they want to say about Canadian horror films, I say uh, we can move on. Anybody final thoughts on Canadian horror films? Sorry. <laughs> Alright then, so let's take a break and when we come back here on Attack of the Killer Podcast, we will do some segments. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Do you find your life lacking meaning and purpose? Do you get up every morning and say, there's gotta be a better way. Are you a horror film fan and don't understand why your friends and family hasn't seen Necromantic? Do you know people who say that they love Jason from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies? Are you bored with your current podcast? Do you find yourself answering these questions out loud and getting weird looks from other people in your office? Well, now you never have to worry about those nasty stains again. Now you have a meaning to your boring, miserable life because now you can listen to... Attack of the Killer Podcast. That's right, Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast has all the vitamins and minerals for a well-balanced breakfast. On Attack of the Killer Podcast, you can marvel at the crew as they discuss various horror films, such as High Tension and... 
high, high tension. Listen with your ear holes as the attackers pick a topic and then derail from that topic for at least an hour every episode. Be extremely disturbed as you learn the true love Insane Mike has for his Jason Goes to Hell DVD. But wait, there's more. The gang at Attack of the Killer Podcast give you their guarantee that every episode will contain at least two hours of in-depth horror discussion or at least until they get bored, which usually happens after about the first 30 minutes. Listen to what this satisfied customer has to say about Attack of the Killer Podcast. Who the hell are you? What are you doing in my bathroom? So don't wait. Follow the rest of the mindless sheep and listen to Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast can be heard at attackofthekillerpodcast.com or at stitcher.com. You can also follow Attack of the Killer Podcast on Facebook at Attack of the Killer Podcast or on Twitter at AOTKP. So act now. Offers limited. Operators are standing by. Blah, 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 blah. And we're back here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. It's segments time. And as always, we start out with some shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 All right, so I asked, what are your favorite Canadian horror films? And on Facebook... um, Matt Pike says, Black Christmas. Way to start it off. Yeah. Jonathan Watkins says, Terror Train. Cool. cool. Luane White says, in all caps, Ponty Pool. Nice. He also says, Cube, Ginger Snaps, most of the Cronenberg stuff I've seen. Greg Adams says, Videodrome or The Fly, with scanners creeping right up close. Uh, love My Bloody Valentine as well. Terror Train was fun. Heck, even Ginger Snaps made me smile a bit. Um, Doug Kavorik, who is on that podcast that we made friends with the other day, Necronomicast, um, he said, Tusk? Does that count? And I said, Yeah, totally. Totally. No. Ah. Uh, <laughs> it ended bad. And then Greg Adams said, Oh crap, I love Tusk! And did not add would be top two or three. Loved it. I'm sorry. You and John won't get along, probably. <laughs> um, Andrew Muller says, The Changeling, Cube, The Gate, Silent Hill, and Fido. Ooh, Fido. 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 Love that yeah. movie. Oh yeah. Um, Derek John says The Burning, Prom Night 2, Ginger Snaps, My Bloody Valentine. Um, Josh Brown from 3B Entertainment Films in Des Moines, he says Psycho Pike. And he posted a really <laughs> awesome picture if you guys haven't seen it. Yeah, that, that, that picture's picture is awesome. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lisa Norvell Owen says Tusk. That was also all caps with lots of exclamations. Tusk! Tusk! Um, John Faria says, Shivers, David Cronenberg. Casey Bates says, My Bloody Valentine is one of my favorite films altogether. Plus, The Ballad of Harry Warden is pure liquid gold in your ears. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, Sunnyback says, Terror Train and The Burning. I think they're both Canadian. 
Uh -huh. a, lot, a lot of question marks. They yeah. are. And our our pal, our missing in action pal, John Sullivan. He says, oh, Johnny. This is this first time he's been on the show in weeks. <laughs> sort of. Oh, we miss you, buddy, first and foremost. Of course we do, bud. But uh, John says, the original Prom Night, one of my favorite slasher movies of all time, also shows Jamie Lee Curtis in her bra. My my favorite just on that by basis alone. Of course, of course it is, John. You I can hear him saying. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's why I miss John. I have somebody to be creepy, pervy with. I feel okay about myself. Pervier, yeah. And that's all we had on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, we had Lee Russell at Hogley underscore reviews said Black Christmas. The Brood, Cube, My Bloody Valentine, The Gate, Death Dream. Woo! Yeah. Woo and we also had uh, Chris Cook at Counting Cook said Black Christmas, The Changeling, Ginger Snaps, and Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that technically Canadian? I've seen it on a couple lists I, I think I saw it on sports because I love that movie god damn I love that they're movie making, they're making a second one what? hell yeah no. oh good that is exciting well that's all we have for shout outs you can always uh, call in at a 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP to leave your comments um, thanks for leaving all your comments and uh, that's shout-outs. Awesome. That was a lot of them this time around. That was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Jason, for that. Mm -hmm. um, let's go over to Terry now with some wicked words with wear tear. Ow, ow, ow. Ow, ow, ow. do sort of a book versus movie comparison um this time i'm doing something a little different uh, i just finished not too long ago uh an autobiography by robert england uh it's called hollywood monster a walk down elm street with the man of your dreams it, it was a really interesting read I, I think i finished it in three or four days which is crazy fast for me um i just ate that shit up uh it has some forewords uh has one by Wes craven and also one by toby hooper those were fun um just lots of it really dives into his early stuff um for a while you know talking about how he got started and how he really only went into acting to get girl's attention and that's how it started the whole thing a rolling he realized hey i'm actually kind of good at this so <laughs> he just kept doing it um some really interesting you know the people that he ran into along the way like all the famous names that he kind of the name dropping that he does in there it's it's kind of mind-blowing to see you know um 
and he eventually gets into the Nightmare series and how that all came to be, um, and all the a lot of the stuff that you would see if you've watched Never Sleep Again, the documentary, which is on Netflix, by the way. Um, it really dives into a lot of that, but there were definitely some different details that. You know, from his perspective, because it's, you know, that documentary isn't all from Robert England's perspective. This one kind of dives into a lot of the stuff that he personally experienced on the sets. And it was really, really cool to see some of that. Um, but yeah, it's a super fun read if you're a fan of nonfiction or biographies, or even if you're not really, and you're just a fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um really great read one of my favorite things i was telling the guys this weekend when we were playing that freddy versus jason game uh in the back of the book there's this really fun appendix um where he like an appendix the... like somebody's <laughs> appendix gross ew yes with the game. yes Sorry. yes jason there's there's an appendix an actual no. sorry i interrupted <laughs> no it's fine um he just does these these um, cool little sections uh, like he has like playlists like Robert England's like playlist for life or whatever and then the next list that is in the book is Freddy Krueger's playlist and then there are several of those I don't I'm trying to remember oh like favorite like movie picks and things like that just it was just a fun little addition at the end of all of it but I uh, like I said, it's a great read. Really enjoyed it. If you can get your hands on it, I highly recommend it. All right. Cool. Awesome. Any chance he uh, recorded the book on tape? You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> that's the that's my favorite way to read. It's by listening. <laughs> <laughs> I will look into that for you. Cool. Words are dumb. I want to listen to stuff. <laughs> yeah. If he did, I hope he, I hope he reads it in the Freddy voice. That would be cool. <laughs> that if it hasn't happened yet, it needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, up next we have a man who I've lost all faith in. <laughs> <laughs> Mike with Insane's picks. <laughs> Oh, Justin, the can of worms that you opened with your <laughs> your uh, intro. Oh my God! Okay, so insane picks for this episode. Thank you for that uh, introduction, there, John. I just all I have to say is, eventually you'll have a segment, and you will need to be introduced. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, good point. <laughs> So, I'm going a little unorthodox here again. Um, kind of feels like I'm running into a documentary theme uh, for Insane's Picks here for the for a few episodes. But I had just recently gotten my hands on a documentary I've been looking for for a long, long time. And so, and I just watched it last night. So, I have to talk about it. Um, and that is More Brains which is the documentary about Return of the Living Dead. Now, Return of the Living Dead being one of my all-time favorite horror movies, hands down, period. Um, and so 
I already have like the Return of the Living Dead compendium book, and so I was really stoked to get this documentary or this yeah this documentary, um, and it is long. It's longer than the damn movie. It's awesome. They literally break down everything, like go through every moment of, of the film and do all these interviews with everybody that's still alive. Um, you know, they, so they cover everything from like the the pre-production to all the way to like after the film's release and its longevity. Uh, they even go into detail. Um, so it's great. You know, I, I've listened to commentary tracks on this movie. I've read the book. And what's great is like there's still stuff I learned from this documentary. So that is that is the the greatest thing about it. So well, especially the the only thing I've never really been sure on was um, how the film went from being a book um, by John Russo that was literally a direct sequel to Night of Living Dead to a movie written and directed by Dan O'Bannon about punk rockers dealing with the living dead. So, um, and and it's great because it breaks it all down right out of the horse's mouth himself, John Russo, and and how his book got acquired to be made into a movie and all the, uh, the on-again, off-again, um, you know, uh, production deals that, that they went through and how eventually... You know, ended up uh, Toby Hooper was going to direct it, and how come he didn't end up directing it, and how it landed in Dan O'Bannon's hands, and why why he ended up rewriting it and did what he did with the film, compared to because I've read Russo's book and there is nothing, nothing similar whatsoever from his book to uh, to the movie. So, which is always interesting that uh, that he still gets like a, a story credit. In the movie, and it's just because it's, it's the title, really, and it's like he owned the original rights. So, yeah. And anyway, it's a really good documentary. A lot of great uh, Talking Head stuff. Um, everybody's there, from Linnea Quigley to um, Brian Peck, who actually even narrates the the film. Um, uh, Beverly Randolph, uh, Tom Matthews, Don Calfa. Uh, Clue Gallagher, who is just as crazy in this documentary as he was during his Q&A at Crypticon. Just got to, tell, got to throw that Outrageous. out there. Outrageous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so funny. He's just, again, he's like making up stories. He tells a story about how he originally wanted to play the um, the lead actress's part. <laughs> what? That's awesome. And he tells this other story about... He developed a back uh, a background story about his character on how he likes to walk around without a shirt on. He was an exhibitionist and like all this. <laughs> uh, as we've learned from this past weekend, that's a very clue. So anyway, um, and all the James Karen stuff. I just, man, I just, I wish I was making movies, you know, thirty years ago. And I would love to have. I would love to be able to work with James Cameron, um, James Karen, sorry, um, James Cameron, whatever. Uh, <laughs> James well, Karen. Too, yeah. Nobody had anything, and 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 people didn't hold back. There was a lot of things that were said about other people, even in this documentary. Um, 
but nobody ever had a bad thing to say about James Karen and how he was such a cheerleader for the film. Um, and and which is amazing because this was a low budget film. It was a it was a gory horror film with all these punkers in it, naked girls running around, all this that totally exploitive and 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 whatnot, and just you know had no budget. Everybody working on the film was like, oh, this is just some little B movie. But James Karen's like, hey, you know, you know, let's let's be excited here, man. We're working. We get to work, and. And just happy to be there. And this is a guy who's been in the business for decades up to that point. Um, so that's just amazing to me, you know. So it seems like just the most incredible guy in the business. So, and that's what it, everybody makes it sound like as well. So that's definitely was a highlight getting to you know, listen to James Karen talk and and have listen to people talk about James Karen. Um, you know, and it was also great listening to Linnea, you know, being such a fan of hers and getting to work with her so many times um, over the years as well. And she was in top form. She had some great stories as well about about her nudity and the whole controversy of the of the crotch piece and all that. Um, so great documentary. And it just it just gets going on and on and on. And they talk about literally every scene in the film. It just goes into such great length and detail. It was absolutely amazing. And tell oh talk about clue a great clue story I want to throw out there. He denied it in the middle of the documentary, but uh, several people told the story and was confirming it that um, there was a lot of times him and Dan O'Bannon did not get along. They butted heads a lot, um, and there was one moment where things got so heated that Clue grabbed a, a baseball bat and went after him with a baseball bat and threw it at Dan O'Bannon and. Dan O'Bannon had just walked out of the room, and if he hadn't stepped out, it would have hit him in the head. It like hit the wall right by right by the doorway. So, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally awesome stuff. So, <laughs> so definitely a great documentary. It doesn't end there though. Um, the supplemental features uh, go into part two and three, so you get like little mini documentaries. It doesn't go in as depth on two and three, but it's still a lot of content about those two films. Like, you know, what had happened and why it went the way it went and why decisions were made in such and such ways. And um, so still really good stuff. Uh, not as many talking heads in it as the, as the first film. Like, literally, they, they talked to pretty much everybody that's still alive for the first movie. But in the second movie, they they only really talk with James Karen about it, uh, Tom Matthews, um, the little boy, the lead actor, um, uh, Susan Snyder, which was, that was awesome. And uh, that was really about it. They, they didn't talk to the other little boy or or the director or any of the any of those any of the other people that were involved. So and it was kind of the same thing when they talked about three. They only really interviewed um, Brian Usna, the director, and the guy who played the lead in the, the the male lead in the film. So but it was still really cool and a lot of great stuff. Fun fact, I didn't know if anybody was aware of this, but Brian Peck, who plays Scuzz in the original movie is the only actor to appear in all four films. So, or all three films. Sorry, not all four films. All three films, because uh, four and five don't count. So the only <laughs> only actor to appear in all three of the original Return of the Dead movies 
Uh, he's the only actor to do that. So I thought that was kind of cool and kind of neat. So, so anyway, so that's my pick for this this uh, episode. More brains. Check awesome. Right. And by the way, it does look like it's on YouTube. So oh, nice. I'm definitely going to check it out. Oh, nice. Really? The whole thing? Yeah, it looks like it. Cool. The whole yeah. two-hour documentary. So. <laughs> yeah, it's... seriously, longer than the movie. It's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Cool. So that wraps it up, boys and girls. Another episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. All about Canadian horror films. And I find it fitting that we're talking about Canadian horror films and my son is playing with his moose hand puppet. <laughs> he's over there smiling he knows what I'm talking about and he's also wearing his Haddon, Haddonfield Elementary School shirt that I bought for him at Crypticon yes. oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's awesome anyway so that's another episode of Attack of Killer Podcast hope, thanks for everybody listening hope you enjoyed it hope you learned a thing or two um, and I hope you got recommended some good movies to watch a lot of great stuff to come out of Canada. So, thanks, crew, for being on as always. Lots of fun. Always um, a pleasure. What? There we go. Yep. And so, we'll talk to you guys all next time. Bye bye. Oh, could this be the end of? Wow. Attack of the Killer Podcast.